Oh, dear. It's, it's going to be one of those shows, I think, this morning, where things perhaps, you know... It, but it's Thursday, isn't it? Monday, you're allowed to be a little bit sloppy because it's Monday. And Thursday, you sort of start winding down for the weekend. So, you know... Uh, good morning. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's four minutes past six. Lots to talk about this morning. Lots. Olympics, of course. It would be rude not to. Uh, we'll be talking about um, Victoria Pendleton... Who's riding today? Also talking about Barnfield College, who are planning to build on their playing fields. And the rowing. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can call any point during the show. You can call and talk about the things that we're talking about if you've got an opinion on them. Or if there are things that you think we should be talking about, then you can call in uh, for that as well. 08459 455 555. You can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Uh, And one thing I want you to text about uh, this morning is what is your favourite film of all time? I'd be hard pushed to find one, but there's a new list, a new top ten list of the best films of all time. I have seen one, two... Three of them, and one of those is really, really boring. I'll tell you what they are a bit later on. They've been chosen by critics, so they're going to be a little bit, you know, up themselves. Uh, But you can text in. What is your favourite film of all time? Let's try and get the listeners' top ten best films of all time. 81333. Start your text. 3CR. And also, have you seen the brilliant pictures of Boris Johnson being stuck on the, the um, zip line thing? I had a dream about it last night. That's how hilarious it was. It's brilliant. If you've not seen it, it'll be in the newspapers, I'm sure. Uh, or it's definitely online. There's a video online. It's the most wonderful, wonderful thing. So we'll be asking you this morning, where and when have you been stuck somewhere? Uh, do give me a call. It'll be nice to talk to you this morning. 08459 455 555. You get a sense. Oh, oh, I... <laughs> I keep doing it with my fat finger. I keep firing off that clip of a soldier talking. Should we just forget the first five minutes of the show and go for Daryl Hall and John Oates? I think that would probably be the most appropriate way to do the thing. Let, let's just pretend this bit never happened, and when we come back, we'll start the show again, and it'll be fine. You know, we'll talk about Barnfield College, and it'll be groovy. It's my last day tomorrow, so, you know, don't really matter. Daryl Hall and John Oates, that saxophone solo has reminded me of one of the funniest things I've ever seen on YouTube. Have you seen the sexy sax man? It's brilliant. It's not mucky. Don't worry. You can, you can YouTube it um, with impunity. It's the sexy sax man, and it's this guy in leather trousers and a leather waistcoat, and he just keeps bursting into, like, places and playing the saxophone solo from Careless Whisper. So there's like a play going on and he bursts into the theatre and plays it. There's a lecture taking place in a college and it just goes on and on for ages and it's wonderful. And there's all this footage of him being chased by security guards playing the sax solo from Careless Whisper. It's wonderful. Go on YouTube the sexy sax man later on today. That's my little gift uh, to you. Good morning, dear listener. It's ten minutes past six. It's the 2nd of August. It's my wife's birthday. That's the only reason I know it's, it's that date. And boy, oh boy, there's a lot of pressure on me to pull something out of the hat. Uh, now, plans for a new free school. 39 houses and an 88-bedroom care home on a college playing field in Luton have been submitted. The, the development on Barnfield College's field on Old Bedford Road has already been strongly criticised by local residents and politicians. 
and residents are meeting tonight to discuss the plans. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, can tell us more. Good morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. Justin, what exactly are the plans? Well, we're talking here, Ian, about uh, a free school, which would involve moving the Moorlands Primary School to the site, as that's now under the Barnfield Academy umbrella. But, of course, uh, the big news would be up to 39 new homes, including 15 affordable properties, a replacement college facility to house some of the older buildings here, an 88-bed care facility, and a redesign of the sports facility. So we're talking here about a big deal for the locals. Now, currently, as I look to, to my right-hand side here at the college, there, there are currently four full-size football pitches and one full-size rugby pitch. Now, those are accessible to the public at all times. If this is approved, this will be replaced by one full-size football pitch, an all-weather pitch, four junior pitches, four mini pitches and a rugby pitch. Now, when you think about all that, you think about a lot of land. Well, the college is saying... This would actually happen on a smaller amount of land too, and they're saying these facilities would be an improvement to local people, but of course the residents here, they dispute that greatly. Well, what exactly are the residents saying, Justin? Well, to say they're not happy is uh, putting it mildly in. Um, They're saying that traffic and parking will be a nightmare around their homes. You can probably hear the traffic in the background right now. This is a very busy stretch of roads here in Luton, just off the A6. So they're also saying they'll lose a valuable local facility for recreation, the development itself, they believe, is a real mess of different facilities which won't actually work well alongside each other and it's more open space and public land at risk which the town already doesn't have enough of. Well, I think these residents uh, also said that the, the traffic and the loss of the sports field was their main concern. Let's have a listen to what they said. When the school is open, if you want to go any time during that uh, drop-in or pick-up time to cross the delay to go to A6, it takes ages already. And if they build uh, school, um, residential home and all these houses, most of people have at least two cars per house. What's going to happen to the traffic? And what's going to happen to the children crossing the roads? During the uh, rush hour, my driveway is blocked by, by cars. They park literally blocking my driveway and somebody else's. And I have to literally wait. And there's a uh, blockage both ends from that side and that side and I can't really get in to my own drive it's all packed there's no space for parking when you back out as well there's cars that are literally obstructing your view so you can imagine that when you're backing out of your own drive you run the risk of being clipped from behind by a vehicle that's travelling 30 miles an hour maybe breaking the limit so it's very dangerous they have completely lost the amenity that that is why is it nice to live here because there's places for children to play teenagers we're not talking about just the youngsters minor teenagers and many around here the Ickneal school is a large area it's the teenagers who will lose out of here there's an amenity there and it's a visual relief from all the buildings you drive through who wants to drive through solid streets for mile after mile if you're going to have a city you have to have a green belt in the middle of it and that is a key part of it it's a visual amenity it's a rest for the eyes and it's also for the teenagers who play it's ridiculous to take it out well just in there obviously not happy what, mm. what does the college say uh, by the way later on we're going to be hearing from some more residents and um, the college what they're saying is this is an early stage application they've been consulting with the council and sport england about this already it submitted and was approved in actual fact a planning application for a larger development that was back in 2008 but it couldn't afford to go through with it so uh, they've looked at other ways of funding this and this particular development with that mix of residential social and care housing plus the educational aspects would pay for itself. Well, certainly the college hopes so, anyway. 
What's the government policy on building on playing fields? Well, they say the sale of a playing field is an absolute last resort, with local authorities having to demonstrate they've exhausted all other sources of funding for the required sports facility. So it's not a done deal. And earlier this year, Education Minister said that uh, playing fields are an important part of a school's estate and sport is a critical element of any school curriculum. The Secretary of State's consent is needed to sell school playing fields. So it's not a case of, we want to do this, let's get planning application, away we go. They will have to go through many, many rules and regulations if this was to be accepted and go ahead. Justin, listen, we'll speak to you later on. Thank you very much. And uh, and as Justin said, we will hear from some local residents about their fears. If it affects you and you want to have your say, well, now's an excellent opportunity to do it. 08459 455 555. Beds, hearts and bugs news. BBC Three Counties Radio. These are the headlines this morning on Thursday the 2nd of August on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire cycling star Victoria Pendleton begins her London 2012 campaign today, aiming to follow the success of gold medal winning Bradley Wiggins yesterday. Stopfold's reigning Olympic and world sprint champion is in the team sprint event this afternoon on the first day at the velodrome. Plans to turn a college playing field in Luton into a new free school, 39 houses and an 88-bedroom care home have been submitted to the council. The, the development would be at Barnfield College on land between New and Old Bedford Road, but it's been strongly criticised by local residents and politicians. In sport, Milton Keynes Dons have signed striker Ryan Lowe for an undisclosed fee from Sheffield Wednesday. We'll have a full weather bulletin in a couple of minutes with Chris Bell. And coming up, our reporter's been catching up with Victoria Pendleton's family as they prepare to watch her compete in the Olympics later today. Find out how they're feeling next. I've just been handed the uh, newspaper, so now would be an excellent... I know, exactly, now would be an excellent time to go through the front pages and have a little uh, little look-see and see what's happening. Shall we? The, uh, it's Olympics, of course. The uh, Daily Telegraph has a picture of Helen Glover and uh, Heather Stanning, uh, Britain's first gold medal of the London 2012 Games, and then there's a picture of Bradley Wiggins. Who, there was, there's some great pictures of Bradley Wiggins sitting on a throne, where he looks a bit bored and not very happy to be on a throne. He's got the spindliest legs I've ever seen in my life. And this is coming from someone who's got very, very spindly, unsightly legs. Never wear shorts. I very rarely wear shorts in my own back garden. That's how hideous my legs are. But Wiggins' legs, hey, hey, hey. The Guardian. Phew! The front page, a picture of uh, Bradley Wiggins. And I hope you were all wearing your Wiggins sideburns yesterday. That must be what... uh What's done it? Relief as rowers claim first gold of uh, Games of Britain. Wiggins gold makes him top UK medalist and surprise silver in swimming and two bronzes. Uh, It's all Wiggins, isn't it? Look, the independence at last, a golden day for Britain. Bradley Wiggins becomes our most successful Olympian after women's pair triumph in rowing. Uh, The Times mod rule. Oh, it's another one of those fake covers. They're doing that for the whole Olympics, are they? Don't. It confuses me. We go to the proper front page. Uh, it's a picture of uh, Helen Glover and Helen, uh, sorry, Heather Stanning celebrating their victory uh, in the rowing. Team GB strike gold with historic double. Uh, and artists urge Putin to give punk band a fair trial. This is the punk band in uh, in Russia that are on trial for... I don't know what they're on trial for. They keep sort of changing it. It was blasphemy, and then it was public disorder, and, uh, you know. The Daily Express. New pill can beat arthritis. Oh, can it? 
hundreds of thousands of Britons crippled by rheumatoid arthritis are being given fresh hope by a powerful new drug. Now, I don't need to read the rest of the story to let you know that probably won't be available for another seven to ten years' time. It's, they've probably tested it on a mouse. I'll find that paragraph later. They've, they've tested it on a mouse... And uh, you won't be able to get it for quite a long time. The Daily Mirror, Gold Rush, Wigo and Rowers, Helen and Heather, Lee GB, Glory Charge. I'm not even going to read the Sun headline because it's just ridiculous. It's not even a word. It's not even a word. I'm not even going to give them the benefit. And uh, the Daily Mail. You want to see Wiggins' spindly legs? Look at the front of the Daily Mail. You would think that through cycling, he'd, you know... He'd be muscular. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing a, a rude gesture there. But you think he'd be muscular. He's not particularly. Golden Wonders. Fanta- it is fantastic news. And if you saw any of those, uh, those gold medals yesterday, it's very, very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, it's 6.20. Let's get the weather now with Chris Bell. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, Chris. What have you got for us? Well, we've got uh, rather cloudy skies this morning. Uh, and this afternoon, I think the showers could turn a little bit on the heavier side. We couldn't even rule out a rumble of thunder, particularly yes. across Buckinghamshire. I got it in there again. Thank you, I'm Chris. Get, I'm actually going to be able to get it in there on a lot of days, it looks I like. I love the, the way you say thunder with the accent. It's just wonderful. Uh, I wish I could uh, give people better news, though. It's, uh, it is one of those situations where we're going to stay in this unsettled pattern, I think. Chris, thank you very much. Chris Bell there with the weather. What a fantastic accent. I love the way he says the word thunder. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. One of the biggest names in Team GB starts her Olympic campaign today. Victoria Pendleton, who was born in Hitchin and whose family live in Stopfold in Bedfordshire, is taking part in the cycling sprint events at the velodrome on the Olympic Park. She's the reigning world and Olympic champion in the event. Our reporter, James Burridge, has been talking to her father, Max, who is a competitive cyclist himself, and remembers when Victoria and her twin brother, Alex, started racing at the age of nine. Very proud to see her like that, and she's such a good role model for up-and-coming children that might want to take up being a, a professional athlete. Um, it's very different from how we were as children, so it's quite nice to see her now as this role model and see her in things like FHM and on the front covers, you know, The Guardian, when she had when she did the, the, the famous photograph with no, no clothes on on the bike and things like that, and you just think, wow, that's my sister, and everyone's so proud, and everyone knows who she is, and it's... It's very, very strange, but very, very proud. You weren't thinking as a brother, what on earth are you doing? (laughs) Uh, No, not really, but um, I do see when they've done enough airbrushing and stuff like that, you go, she doesn't look like that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, very good. Just tell us then about the last four years, because she's felt so many different Mm. moods, hasn't she? Because the pressure has been unique and, and pretty difficult at times. What has that been with? Obviously, as a family, you must have been hugely supportive to her. Yeah, we try and keep in contact. It's very hard with her training schedule and stuff like that. But um, normally hear from her when she's leaving the track sessions every day. You know, she gives you a call on a mobile, uh, like hands-free kit. And you, it's typical, you get the running commentary of the other drivers as well. But um, we, we're all there for her when, when, we, when she needs us. But she's quite a strong character. Um, however, I must admit, it's quite, it was quite difficult watching the documentary recently because it did show quite a lot more vulnerability than maybe she lets people on to see a lot of the time um obviously know her quite well being my twin but mm. you know i didn't realize how, i didn't realize quite how emotional she was about all the problems she had when she was in gb with her fiance scott and all the times then but up, there's been a lot of up and downs but it's all very positive these days so it's uh, nothing to worry about no um 
And all those years ago, let's be honest, this journey started when you both got on a bike at yeah. the age of nine. Yeah. It's strange how things can happen and develop over the years, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's a long time ago now. <laughs> it's a very long time ago, making me feel old. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, it was very difficult at first, you know, we were doing cycling for my dad, you know, travelling everywhere, not spending much time with our, our friends from school and stuff like that. And it's incredible to think that she's come so far, but we've always seen her, her talent and her ability, even when I was racing with her. You know, she always had this smooth style that everyone talks about and this amazing power where she could sit down and just put, turn the power on rather than getting out of the saddle and sprinting. So um, we've always known something good was going to come of it, but thank God there's... Um, Team GB and their scouts, you know, to, yeah. to, to have found her. So Can she deal with the pressure? Easily, yeah, yeah, 100%. Victoria Pendleton, uh, dad Max, and her twin brother Alex, speaking to our reporter James Burridge at uh, his office in Letchworth, where he works at Gem Estate Management. She races on the track in the first qualifying event at four o'clock this afternoon. Um, so that's all very, very exciting. Uh, indeed. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call. I've read the arthritis story. Don't get too excited. It's still in the development stages. They don't know if, it, if this drug actually does any good. So just calm down. Don't be excited uh, yet again uh, by a, a, a health story in, in the Express. Hey, listen, a friend of mine, Emma, was, uh, has, I think, committed a faux pas. And I need to know if this is genuinely a faux pas and if this is going to end in tears. She's going to a friend's wedding. Right, always, you know, always a slightly tedious experience, I find, friends with. No, they are. You, you, you know, you get some food, but you have to wait hours for the food, and then speeches made by people you don't really know, and you don't get the in-jokes. And anyway, she's going to a friend's wedding, and she has bought a new dress to wear at this wedding, which, of course, is, is fine, because girls don't have enough clothes to choose from to, uh, to, to wear at these events. They have to buy something new. Here's the rub. She's bought a white dress that is surely, surely the most inappropriate thing that you could do, isn't it? She's bought a white dress to wear to a wedding, and she's not the bride. I'm guessing that that's, that's a pretty bad thing. I'm a bloke, and I know that that's not the done thing. 08459 455 555. Has she made a terrible faux pas? And is there anything she can do? Speak to after this. It's the Lighthouse family, and hi, good morning. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio with your breakfast show here until nine o'clock. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is a telephone number if you want to give me a call. On FM, AM, and online at bbc.co.uk/slash Three Counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, that's a song, I believe. I believe that is actually a song, and a very good one at that. The zombie, she's not there. I do love that. Uh, we, I do need your phone calls and your texts on my friend Emma, who I think is in a dilemma. She's kind of all blasé about it, going, yeah, so what? I've got a white dress. No, you cannot wear a white dress to a wedding unless you're the bride. Listen, I'm a bloke who knows nothing about clothes at all. Yes, I am a bloke, and I know very, very little about fashion, although I'm looking pretty cool today uh that's just by coincidence uh, but i know that you cannot wear a white dress to a wedding unless you're the right is that that's right isn't it i need someone to phone me up and back me up and then we need some advice for uh, emma uh, on what she can do to get out of what is going to be a humiliating experience oh wait four five nine four double five 
555. You can text as well, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Tens of thousands of prisoners. There's a, a, a quantum leap, isn't it, from wedding dresses to prisoners. Tens of thousands of prisoners who are held on remand in, e- the England, uh, in England and Wales are treated far worse than those who've been convicted, according to a new report by the prison's watchdog. The chief inspector of prisons, Nick Hardwick, says a long-standing principle to give remand prisoners rights and entitlements are simply being ignored. He's now calling for a complete overhaul of the remand system. We can get more on this from our reporter, Gavin Lee. Good morning, Gavin. Morning, In what way is this report saying remand prisoners are treated worse? Well, because if you're on remand, you haven't been convicted, you haven't committed any wrongdoing at that point until you're obviously awaiting trial. Because of that, remand prisoners should be given better treatment or better entitlements than convicted inmates. And every year there's about 30,000 prisoners that go through the prison system in England and Wales, about 12,000 at any one time. And they have, in some circumstances, a legal agreement, for example, for sharing a cell, that under no circumstances should they share with convicted prisoners, unless they give specific consent and this report finds that the norm actually most of the prisons they examined and was that they were sharing and now whether that's happening because of pressure of space and also perhaps because of a lack of focus on remand prisoners there is an issue there when it comes to welfare services things like contact with solicitors they are seen to have received less support and things like um, educational courses they're often at the back of the queue when the convicted prisoners are getting dealt with first and it might sound small and more simple Ian but actually when it comes to things like wearing their own clothes which is a right that they have they're not allowed to in almost all of the prisons that the inspectors visitors and perhaps more importantly uh, they weren't given the right to vote in elections in most circumstances, given that's something that the remand prisoners are allowed to do, whereas at the moment convicting prisoners can't. And the point that this report makes is that a significant number of these prisoners who are treated this way yeah. are then released after being acquitted of wrongdoing. So, so they've done nothing wrong. Yeah, I mean, overall, something like a fifth are acquitted. About a quarter of them are given a non-custodial sentence. It is a significant figure, and actually it's more uh, prominent for female prisoners on remand. About half of them are released after their trial, either acquitted or given a non-custodial sentence. And the, the other point this report makes in relation to the numbers is how many of them have an increase, increased risk of suicide. About a quarter of them said that as soon as you go into, they went into the prison, they felt depressed, they felt suicidal. And last year statistics, but half of suicide by, suicides by female prisoners were from those on remand, when actually if you look at the, the figures, only about a fifth of those of the population are female prisoners on remand. So there's a high, a high um, amount of, of, of occurrences. It's a real problem with, with, highlight, with, with self-harm and suicide. That's why the Chief Inspector of Prisons is saying that you know, there needs to be a comprehensive review of the treatment uh, of remand prisoners. And has there been any government response to this, Gavin? Yeah, there has. Briefly, from the prison officials from Ministry of Justice, they say that they are aware of some of the faults that do need to be uh, addressed and they are already addressing some of the issues, for example cell sharing, which is something that can be dealt with very quickly. Briefly, another point being made here is that so many remand prisoners are held in old um, hard Victorian prisons generally because they're much nearer to the court rather than purpose-built modern ones and that clearly, according to this report is affecting their mood and behaviour. Gavin Lee, thank you very much. No doubt we'll be hearing more about that uh, a bit later on. So I mentioned earlier on that there is a new uh, list, uh, top ten list of the best films of all time. Now, these have been uh, compiled by critics, so you can imagine, you know, they're going to be slightly worthy films. I've only seen three of the films uh, in this top ten list, and one of them is really dull. Number six, 2001, A Space Odyssey. 
oh, it's, it, you know, it, it, Star Wars, it ain't. It's, you know, everyone's, oh, it's, it's marvellous, it's wonderful. First of all, it's too long. Secondly, it's too slow. Thirdly, come on, what does it, what does it mean? What, what does that mean, that bit at the end? Spoiler alert coming up. I mean, fair play, the, f- the film is 44 years old, so I think I can kind of give away what happens in the ending without upsetting too many people, unless you were planning to watch it this weekend. That bit in the end where he's, like, he's in the bed, and then he sees an old man, and he becomes the old man, and then he sees a baby, and he becomes a baby, and... Huh? What? I don't like films where I come out scratching my head going, I have no idea what happened there. The only good bit uh, in uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey, is the fact that Leonard Rossiter pops up. Um, from Rising Dead, Rigsby pops up in it. That's the only. That's the only good bit. Oh, it's Rigsby. He's not doing the Rigsby character. That would be highly inappropriate. So that's the only. That, that, that's um, one of the three films I've seen in the uh, the, the, the top ten. Uh, number two, the, uh, one of the other films I've seen is Citizen Kane. Now, Citizen Kane normally tops these lists and normally wins, uh, and, and it's the first time I think in fifty years that it's been beaten by another film. Citizen Kane is is uh, it's excellent. Is it one of the best films of all time? I don't know. I mean, it's clever, and there's some good bits in it, and it's it's, it's a cracking story. But, um, you know, it's kind of a shaggy dog story, isn't it, really, with a punchline? Once you find... Was it Bluebird or Bluebell? Bluebird, I think it is. Once you find out what Bluebird is, you go, oh, right, yeah, I get it. Oh. And also, if you're blinking at the... I watched it with my wife, and she turned away right at the end when the reveal... So she was sort of looking down... And did Rosebud, that was it. Thank you, yes. Thank you very much indeed. Rosebud. Uh, she, t- she kind of looked down or looked away at the last minute, so didn't get the punchline. And I said, you, mi- you just missed the point of the film. She didn't enjoy it. She thought it was a little bit boring. Uh, I'll tell you what the, uh, the top, the number one film is all, all time. But if you can let me know, you can text these in, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. What is your favourite film of all time. I'll tell you mine in a bit. Let's get the travel news now with Sophie Tyler. It was Rosebud, of course it was. Yes, yes. Beds, hearts and bugs news. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.45 on Thursday the 2nd of August. These are the headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire cycling star Victoria Pendleton begins her London 2012 campaign today, aiming to follow the success of gold medal winning Bradley Wiggins yesterday. Stockfold's reigning Olympic and world sprint champion is in the team sprint event this afternoon on the first day at the velodrome. Plans to turn a college playing field in Luton into a new free school, 39 houses and an 88-bedroom care home have been submitted to the council. The development will be at Barnfield College on land between New and Old Bedford Road, but it's been strongly criticised by local residents and politicians. In sport, Milton Keynes Dons have signed striker Ryan Lowe for an undisclosed fee from Sheffield Wednesday. And your weather across beds, hearts and bucks. Some sunny spells, but rather cloudy with scattered showers, some turning heavy and thundery. Maximum temperature is 21 degrees Celsius. Coming up today, another of our athletes from the three counties will go for gold at the London Olympics. Find out more in the next half hour. Don't forget, you can give us a call at any point during the show if any of these stories that we're talking about uh, affect you. And I I suspect that the uh, the college story will be We'll be talking to some of the local residents later on. I suspect that that will be affecting a lot of you. And um, if you hadn't heard about it, uh, how do you feel about it? Are you annoyed? 08459 455 555. And I do need your tips for my friend Emma, who's bought a white dress for a wedding. That's ridiculous. How rude. How rude. 
Team GB won its first gold medal yesterday when Helen Glover and Heather Stanning romped to victory in the women's rowing at Eton Dorney in Buckinghamshire. Shortly after, the men's eight final, including Greg Searle from Marlow and Cox by Phelan Hill from Bedford, took bronze for the UK. Well, Phelan was a pupil at Bedford School where he first took up the sport. And a group of staff, including one of his former coaches, were there yesterday to cheer on their former pupil. Our reporter, Brendan Murphy, joined them. Mike Gunn, I've been coaching at school for 26 years. And were you involved in coaching um, Phelan Hill, who was involved in the Team GB um, team today? He was the Cox, wasn't he? He was, he was the Cox. Uh, I've, I've coached him on a lot of occasions, but not as, not as permanent coach. Uh, he came to Coxing late uh, in the school as a, as a sort of favour for, for some teammates who were looking for somebody to Cox, and uh, he took to it very quickly and established himself as a, as a good quality cox, ending up coxing the first eight. And we've just seen Team GB's uh, men's eights take bronze. Oh, could have been so much better. My, my heart's still pounding for them. They were, they were in the lead at one point, weren't they? They, they were in the lead, uh, coming up to three-quarters uh, distance. Um, the, the eights competition is a very fast and furious competition, and it's very close-packed. Uh, just a, a, the odd stroke here and there can make all the difference and it would have been superb to, to have finished with a gold but to be honest, any medal is, is really impressive at this, at this level. So we saw feeling shouting at the, at the rowers as, as they were going along there. I mean, it's a mystery to me. I've never rowed in my life. What is he shouting at them? Uh, he's, he's basically encouraging them. He's keeping them informed because, of course, they're, they're rowing facing the wrong way. They're, they're not facing the way they're going. So he's got to keep them informed as to what's happening in terms of the opposition crews, uh, trying to encourage them at certain points to put in specific pushes to try and go for that sort of sprint finish or put, put in a push to break the opposition at some point. Does Phelan ever come back to the school and, and, and give talks or presentations to, to the students who are aspiring to be as successful as he's been? He hasn't uh, had much time to, to come back because obviously the, the rowing and his, and his job, he's, he's got a full-time job as well, uh, do take up a lot of his time. But, but I mean, he's, he's in touch with, uh, with us. We keep in touch with him. He, when, if he's around at regattas, you know, he'll, he'll come and say hello. Um, so, so we're certainly in touch and uh, so we're, we're hoping to get a piece of his Olympic kit to uh, display at school to act as encouragement for the boys. What piece of kit are you hoping for? Uh, hopefully the one piece that he was wearing for, <laughs> for the final. Who's going to wash it? I hope he washes it before he brings it back. I hope so. <laughs> Have we got anybody over the next couple of days that we should be looking out for then in particular in your mind? Uh, certainly the, the men's coxless pair will be pretty impressive. The men's coxless four will also be in there with a medal chance. And of course the women's double skull is probably uh, a, a definite gold medal. So, so say that again. Who's a definite gold medal? The women's double skull. Okay, great. I'll go and put my money on now. May I just say here at the BBC, we would never advise you to uh, follow the betting tips of Brendan Murphy. Let's just say his, his hit rate in the past has not been so great. That was Brendan uh, at Bedford School speaking to a former coach of the Cox for the men's eight rowing team, Phelan Hill. Phelan and his crew picked up a bronze medal earlier yesterday. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Some of your favourite films are coming in. I'm surprised by yours, Ben in Buckingham. 
I'll tell you what it is in a minute. Stevie Wonder, there we go. Uh, now, we've been asking you, uh, with uh, the, the new top ten list of films, and I'll reveal the number one film, of, apparently of all time, uh, in a little bit. But I've been asking you to text in 81333, uh, starting your text, 3CR, your favourite films. Ben from Buckingham, his favourite film is Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Can that really be anybody's favourite film? Really? Ben, listen, if that's your favourite film, could, could you let me know why? What's so good about it? Uh, and Jeannie from Bucks, my favourite film is American Beauty. Now, I haven't seen American Beauty for, uh, I don't know, ten years? Uh, and I remember enjoying it. I'd need to, I've got it on DVD somewhere. I went through a thing of uh, 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 when I had a little bit of money and uh, DVDs came out. Every film I liked, I'd buy it on DVD. And this is when DVDs were like 15 quid or something. And I'd, I'd go, oh, I like that film, I'd buy it. And then never watch it again. So now I've got loads of DVDs that I'm probably never, ever going to see. Now, on, on the issue of the day, Jeannie also says, I believe it is considered poor form to wear white at a wedding if you're not the bride. Poor form. I do hope Emma's listening to this. I suspect she's not, to be honest, but uh, if, if she's not, I'll, I'll play it to her later on. My friend is going to a, a wedding. She's not the bride. She's bought a white dress. That's awful, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's well, as, as Jeannie says, it's poor form. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. I'll do. Let me do. Um, I'll do the, the the top ten of these films, but I'll leave number one off. I'll do that later on. And these are all chosen by critics, so they're quite worthy. Let me know if you've seen any more than three of these films. And number ten, it's eight and a half. Huh? Huh? Is that, is that Fellini? I think that's Fellini. That's Fellini. Yes. Okay. I'm in with that one. <laughs> number nine, The Passion of Joan of Arc, 1928. Not a clue. Number eight, man with a movie camera. <laughs> Number seven, The Searchers, not the pop group. It's a film called The Searchers. Number six, the most tedious film of all time, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Just so slow. Nothing happens. Number five, Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. Well, I must go and get that from Blockbusters this afternoon. It sounds brilliant. Number four, oh, it's a foreign title. Number four, it's a foreign film. Number three, I don't want to embarrass myself by saying... I'm not dismissing foreign films. Foreign films can be fantastic, but I, I don't want to embarrass myself by saying the, the foreign words incorrectly. Number three is Tokyo Story. Number two is Citizen Kane. And number one, I will tell you a little bit later on. Should we do the front pages of the newspapers? Um, while I'm waiting for your texts to, to come flooding in. 81333. Uh, it's all Bradley Wiggins and Olympics this morning, and rightfully so. Although you, you wouldn't think anything else was happening in the rest of the world. Syria? Anybody? No. Sports. The Daily Mail. Golden Wonders. Four days of Olympic frustration evaporated in the space of four hours yesterday. Oh, by the way, yesterday I was saying about I was uh, upset that I hadn't bought any tickets for the Olympics. We all in the office uh, bought some tickets for the Paralympics. So some of the team are going to uh, the athletics. Some are considering possibly going to the opening or the closing ceremony, because I believe Coldplay are playing at one of them. Whichever one they're Coldplay are playing at, I'd go to the other one. Uh, and I've got ticket tickets for the uh, Women's Paralympics weightlifting on the 1st of September. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Uh, the Daily Express. New pill can beat arthritis. Uh, the Sun. I will do it. Gold. What they've done is they've merged the word gold with the word go and put in far too many O's. Just making up a word. It doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, the Daily Mirror, Gold Rush, Wigo and Rowers, Helen and Heatherly, GB Glory Charge. Uh, the Times, uh, their proper front page is Team GB Strike Gold with Historic Double. The Independent, at last, a golden day for Britain. 
uh, The Guardian. Phew! Bradley Wiggins with his uh, his shirt undone. The ta- Daily Telegraph uh, is uh, Bradley Wiggins uh, and the two rowers who won uh, the first gold medal for uh, G- Team GB in the 2012 Olympics yesterday. And we might get some more today. And those naughty badminton players were disqualified. Well done. The right decision was made there, I think. <laughs> Coming up in the next hour, we'll be hearing more about Barnfield College's plan to build on their playing fields, more about the Olympics, and we'll be talking about civil marriage. 08459 455 555. Here's the news and sport now with Simon Oxley. Good morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio with your breakfast show until nine in the next hour. We've got more exclusives about the Olympics... We'll be talking more about uh, that college's plans to build on their playing fields. But the the real thrust of today's show is, should my friend Emma be wearing white to a wedding? Well, Isabella has texted in. And she's texted in in capitals, which means she's shouting and she's angry. I won't do the shout, but imagine it shouted. If your friend wants to wear white, she has to get the bride's permission, as only the bride wears white. It's an insult to the bride. It's our insult to the bride. Thank you, Isabella. I totally agree with you. It's a, you, you just don't do it. Youngsters these days, huh? 08459 455 555. If you could um, just call me up and... Is there anything we can do to get Emma out of this predicament? Maybe she could um, wear, like, a, a, a colourful fascinator. I only learnt what the word fascinator was a couple of years ago. <laughs> I was like... Oh, it's a fascinating... Oh, fantastic. 08459 455 555. We're finding your best films as well, your favourite films. Um, And have you ever been stuck anywhere? There's the fantastic picture and footage of uh, London Muppet uh, Boris Johnson being... And it is embarrassing. He's the mayor of London, right? He comes down a zip line waving two little flags... And then he gets stuck. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for London. It's embarrassing for the country, isn't it? I mean, you expect expect him to do something ridiculous. But he's just there. He's stuck there for quite a long time, in midair, waving his flags. Oh, it's... I just lo- watched it and thought, oh, my goodness, really? That image is being beamed all around the world. And while it won't do him any harm, I'm worried it will do us harm. Anyway... Where have you been stuck? I got stuck in my downstairs uh, toilet recently. We've, we've had new door handles. They don't work. So quite often I'll hear my wife banging on the door. We had a, a builder came round once. What was it? It was a guy came to check the gas meter or something. And he said, can I use the toilet? We, I, you don't... You shouldn't really. If you've come to check the gas meter, you shouldn't be using someone's toilet. That's inappropriate. But I didn't want to say, well, no. So I said, yes, of course you can. And he went into the downstairs toilet. And uh, I thought, he's in there for a long time. What's he doing? Oh, no. Uh, but I uh, failed to listen for the knock, and he was, he was stuck in there. And I had to go and rescue him. And I've been stuck in there, stuck in there several, several times. And the number of times I have to get the screwdriver out to take the handle off to get out. So where, dear listener, have you been stuck? I've never been stuck in a lift. I'd love to be stuck in a lift. I'd find that, oh, no, I'd find that quite exciting. I want to do the thing where you have to lift up the phone and, and talk to the person at the end of the phone. Who's at the end of the phone in the lift? It's not someone in the building. It's someone many miles away in, a, in, a, in an office somewhere. It is, it's true. If you've ever been stuck anywhere... <clears throat> 
08459 455 555. Maybe you've been, you've been stuck in a town. Hey, do you remember that when the volcanic ash was everywhere? I had a friend who was stuck in Portugal for two weeks. I don't think so. I think they, they were swinging the lead there. Essing the L. Anyway, uh, 08459 455 555. You can call in about that and anything else. Today, another of our athletes from the three counties uh, will go for gold at the London Olympics. Etienne Stott grew up in Bedford. He'll compete in the canoe slalom C2 with his partner, Tim Bailey. He joined uh, the Viking Kayaking Club based in Bedford when he was 12 years old and is still an active member today. The secretary of the club is Rob Bates. He knows Etienne well and he's with Justin Dealey. Good morning, chaps. Hello, Ian. Um, this is great stuff again, isn't it? It's another great local story about the Olympics. As you say, Rob Bates is with me right now, joining us live in our radio car. Rob, welcome to the programme. You're very excited because you're actually going today, aren't you? That's right. Uh, we're, we're very lucky to get uh, tickets. And I... I... I had to get tickets before the selection and uh, took the gamble that uh, that uh, Edwin was going to be there, and, and I'm really pleased to see him in there. So today, of course, it is the semi-final. If he qualifies, or if they qualify, they'll go through to the final, which is again today. It could be a very long day. Do you think they will qualify? I think there's a really good chance that they've been very, very uh, reliable through this uh, this summer. They've come fourth, fifth, and sixth in World Cup events. So they're they're currently ranked fourth in the world and and third in in all the boats at the Olympics. Now you've actually been on this course yourself, so you're in a good position to answer this question. What's it like? Is it really that brutal? It is pretty hairy, actually. Yeah, I, I was very lucky to to go down and do an assessment, which you can do. Uh, it has been open to the, the public, and it will be opened again uh, afterwards. And uh, yeah, it is is pretty full on. <laughs> Interesting. Now, uh, Essien, of course, was a member at the club from when he was 12 years old. You weren't there then, but of course, you know a lot of people who knew him when he first joined. So, could people see the potential? even when he was just 12 years old? Oh, I'm sure they could. I mean, he, was, he grew up in a, a bunch of paddlers who were all very good, and, and a, a few others got to international level as well. And he was the youngest one, and he, he, was, uh, he would push them on. Uh, and, you know, the, our solemn coach now uh, says how much he used to make them work hard. And what about new members? Because the hype of the Olympics, everyone is talking about it. We're here again today talking to you. It's, it's a great local story. Do you think off the back of this today in particular that your phone's going to be really busy, people wanting to join for the first time? Well, we've seen a lot of that from the, the River Festival where we did a lot of uh, different uh, displays and events and, and got people into boats. I think what may be different this time is that people will really see that uh, canoeing is a sport that you can take to the elite level as well as uh, the recreational side of the, the, the club also does. And just lastly, if there are medals today, and of course we'll keep our fingers firmly crossed on that, is there going to be a, bit, a big party at the club? Surely you're planning something, aren't you? Well, I think there will be a big party if, if he does well today and, uh, you know, we've got our fingers crossed. We're, we're really, really excited. We couldn't be more proud and, and we will absolutely have a party, yeah. Fantastic stuff. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. There you go. Rob Bates joining us live on The Breakfast Show. And, and so many of these local stories, Ian, are coming out. You've heard there from Rob. He's been on this course himself. It, it is pretty hairy, to use his words, but of course, we're all hoping today from great things and, and hopefully some more medals and hopefully a party here in Bromham. Justin, excellent stuff. Uh, there's talk, isn't there, of all the, the, one of the Olympic legacies is everybody's going to start doing more, more sports because of, of, of the Olympics. And I genuinely was inspired this weekend after the, um, the Tour de France and the beginning of the, the olympics to get my bike out that has been down the side <laughs> of my house for two years with those legs of yours i know look i've got, I've got yeah. better legs than uh, wiggins and i pumped the tires up and i thought 
oh, I can't bother to ride it. So I put it back down the side of the house. That's all I've done. Have you done anything, Justin? Well, do you know what? It's a similar story, actually. Uh, my mum said to me, God, why don't you go, go and get the bike out of the garage? Because somebody got me a bike for Christmas a few years ago. I've used it once. I went in there. The tyres were flat, so I gave up. Yeah, exactly. Justin Dealey, thank you very much. I think it, we are speaking for a lot of the nation there. If you've been inspired to do some sports, or at least, you know, buy a new pair of trainers, and that's as far as you've got, could you let me know? 08459 Uh Tomorrow, Buckinghamshire's Nicola Saunders will compete in the women's 4 by 400 metre relay race. In her earlier years, she won medals in World Youth Championships, World Junior Championships, and Commonwealth Youth Championships. And if you notice, the, the heavy uses of the word youth and junior there. How young is too young to start preparing our athletes for the Olympics? Well, Tony Lester has been training Nicola for the Games. Morning, Tony. Firstly, how do you spot a good athlete from a young age? Well, really, you know, you, you go to your local club and you tend to always see a, a one kid that just stands out. With they've got a natural rhythm about their movement, they have a certain way they carry themselves, and they have a, you know, a certain confidence. And you know, normally, a school sports phase is, is a sort of place where you see these these young stars developing. How young are they when they start training for events like the Olympics? Well, you know, something that, you know, people talk about how young, and the reality is most kids you know, play sports from the age of five onwards, and they play and they do it for fun. And so the preparation actually starts there, just in the, the um, in, in, in enjoyment of the sport. You know, you, 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 you take part in school, school sports stage, you're naturally a competitive person. However, it's all fun, and it's, it's the enjoyment factor that actually gets these kids to develop into future stars. I used to run for my county, 400 metres. I was, I was pretty good. And then uh, I, re- I realised that one of the kids I was racing against was a young man, you may have heard of him, called Adrian Patrick. I uh, used to go to him. Yeah. Uh, oh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't bad, was he? <laughs> Pretty good. He was pretty good. So I'm racing against him, and he was brilliant. And then I, I discovered um, beer and girls, and I thought, ah, do you know what? It's not quite for me. <laughs> so I, I pulled out. Uh, now, you've been a coach, uh, uh, Tony, since 1991. Uh, is it healthy to put your body through such gruelling training when you're young? Because your body's still developing, isn't it? You're still growing. Well, the things, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the line that has to be uh, considered. I mean, uh, you, know, you have a coach who have, who have an abundance of understanding, and you've got a coach who, who are just there, who are, you know, looking to help young people along the way. The biggest key thing is understanding that at such a young age, it's about enjoying what you do mm. and, you know, learn about rhythm, movement, and, and, and understanding them of basic physiology. Yeah, you, you you are right. I think you know to put body through such a hard, grueling, demanding task every day is not healthy. However, yeah, you know, you're still growing and developing. You're playing sport at at school, so there's a natural growth that's just taking place anyway. So most kids don't start those grueling hard work for track and field until you know their middle to late teens. Uh, let's go to the other end. Rower Greg Searle won two Olympic gold medals in 1992. I, I find this amazing. He came out of retirement to compete in the men's uh, eight final yesterday of 40 years old. Can you be too old for the Olympics? It depends on the sport. Yeah. Um, I, I think the physical demands of rowing is something that, obviously, Greg has had many years at the top end. He's took a sabbatical, and, he's, you know, and, and, and quite clearly he, he found a new energy and want to give, you know, probably test himself, and you know, I think fair play. The guy's done a great job. Mm. And, and finally, Tony uh, Nicola is uh, competing tomorrow. What are her chances of getting a medal? Well, actually, she's not because she's actually only in the relay this time around. Right. So that, that's not until next week. So. Right. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yes. Is she still looking good for it? 
Yes, uh, I think uh, the British team have got a very good chance in a four by four relay. So fingers crossed for the girls, eh? Fingers crossed. Excellent stuff. Tony, thank you very much. Tony Lester uh, has been training uh, Nicola Sanders there for the uh, Olympics. More medals, it looks like, are going to be on their way. Beds, hearts and bugs news. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thursday, the 2nd of August. These are the headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire cycling star Victoria Pendleton begins her London 2012 campaign today, aiming to follow the success of gold medal winning Bradley Wiggins yesterday. Stockfold's reigning Olympic and world sprint champion is in the team sprint event this afternoon on the first day at the velodrome. Plans to turn a college playing field in Luton into a new free school, 39 houses and an 88-bedroom care home have been submitted to the council. The development will be at Barnfield College on land between New and Old Bedford Road, but it's been strongly criticised by local residents and politicians. In sport, Milton Keynes Dons have signed striker Ryan Lowe for an undisclosed fee from Sheffield Wednesday. We'll have a full sports bulletin with Simon in 15 minutes and we'll have weather shortly with Chris Bell. Coming up, we will find out more about the plans for development of land near Barnfield College. Our political reporter has been speaking to people living near the site. I hate the bucking bronco. I hate it. Put my back out once uh, in a bucking bronco in Los Angeles, California, America. Plans for... Oh, we've got a caller. Let me go to the caller first. I do apologize. Tracy, I, I just seen you're there. Hello, Tracy and Luton. Good morning. Hi there. How are you this morning? You're right. Yeah, we're fine, thanks. You, you've been stuck somewhere, have you? I got stuck in a lift yesterday. Did you? Yes. Where, whereabouts? In Luton Town Centre. Right, okay. And how... Oh, have you got a little one there with you? Yes, is I it, have. Yeah, he's just having his breakfast. Well, it sounds like he's enjoying it. What, what, is everything all right? Yes, yes, he's fine. He's sitting oh. here eating his toast. Oh, fantastic. How old? He's 11 months. Oh, okay. Well, that's superb. Uh, what happened? How did you get stuck and how long were you in there for? Um, we, we just went in the lift to go up to the next floor and all of a sudden it sort of jerked to a stop. Yeah. And we all sort of went, oh dear, what's going on? Oh and then nothing. So we just sat there for a few minutes and then we just had to ring the bell, the emergency bell, which is really exciting because I've got a four-year-old. And oh. he's always desperate to ring it, and I'm always saying, don't touch that button, don't touch that button. That's wonderful, because I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old who always wants to touch the <laughs> yes, yellow button. No, you desperate. can't touch that one. You can press the number, but don't touch... He must have been in his element then. He was at first, but we were stuck for 50 minutes, so it was quite a long time for him to wait. How long? Five zero. Yes, oh, five zero. Wow. What, what, did, did, how, what, what happened? Did they come and... Did the firemen come and get you out? How does this well, work? we had this voice saying, are you all right in there? Because you think someone will come over the intercom, but they don't. Yeah. They actually just call up the lift shaft and ask if you're okay. Um, and then the engineer was going to be another hour oh. after we'd been there half an hour. So they said, well, we'll ring the fire service. And they prized the door open. Yeah. And we were sort of halfway, sort of above the floor. And uh, they literally just took the children from me and then helped me out and helped the other people out. So, so you, firemen actually came and rescued you. Did, and did your... Because my little boy would love to get pulled out of a half-open lift by a fireman. Did, did your son enjoy it? Oh, he loved there it. He go, thought it was, so. We'd just visited the fire station the week before on an open <laughs> day, so he thought it was the same fireman. He was, he was ecstatic. Oh, that's fantastic. And did you, did you get... Pan- was anyone getting panicky or anything in there? Uh, one of the ladies that was stuck in there with us, she was a little bit worried, oh, yes. Uh, grow up, you're in a lift, don't worry, nothing's going to happen. Tracy, I shall let you get back to breakfast, thank you so much for calling. That was great. There we go, bye-bye. Yes, it was great, that was a brilliant call. I've never been stuck in a lift. And it's, I know it's a weird ambition to have, but I would love, whenever I'm in a lift and it sort of judders, you think, oh, this could be it! But no, it's never happened. 08459 455 555. We're asking, where have you been stuck? Maybe you got locked in a room, maybe you got stuck in a town, but perhaps you got stuck in a lift. I, w- I was going to ask if the shop that she was in gave her any compensation. You would think, if you got stuck in a, in a lift, in a shop, 
Right. You, you'd say, is everything okay? Yeah. Could I have £50 pounds of vouchers, please? That's what I would say. Okay, can I have £50 pounds of vouchers? Otherwise, I'm taking this to Twitter. <laughs> That's what she should have done. 08459 455 555. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Keep your texts coming in, please, uh, of your favourite film of all time, and uh, I will reveal the number one film uh, a little bit later on in the show. Now, plans for a new free school, 39 houses and an 88-bedroom care home on a college playing field in Luton have been submitted. The development on Barnfield College's field on Old Bedford Road has already been strongly criticised by local residents and politicians. Residents are meeting tonight to discuss the plans. These people spoke to our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, about their concerns. It's a, it's a completely inappropriate development. It's not in keeping with the area, not at all in sympathy. It's not a sustainable development, and it's been very poor, poorly planned. If we needed a fire appliance, just in this road here, you can't get through now. What's it going to be like when they are parking at the bottom for ambulances, fire appliances... Is that your fear, because they're going to have to spill out onto the streets, because they're not going to have enough spaces there? Just look down now, you couldn't get a fire appliance up here now if you wanted to. We've only got two egresses from this little estate of about 180 houses into Barnfield Avenue. And it will become quite dangerous if it becomes more... Congested. The concern that is a principal concern is the mix of development. It's not designed to be just to develop education. There are two contradictory components to it. The care facility, which is going to be very, very big, and in its own um, facilities, it's going to create a lot of traffic. A lot of traffic. Also residential development, which is much greater than some of the previous plans for this area. And there have been plans in the past for quite substantial developments for residences. But if you mix a combination of expanded college facility, which is already high volume, plus you've got the sixth form down the road, which is also high volume and expanding, despite the changes, then you're going to have a huge volume of contradictory facilities, which is going to cause conflict in the areas for the residents and the people who might be using those facilities. Can I just ask those of you who are parents, what's the sort of provision for school playing fields for open spaces for your children's playing in Luton? Barnfield is the only field area where they can play openly. All the other school fields are locked in and closed in by gates and provision for safety. The sixth form college is blocked in, but the uh, Bushmead is blocked in. Uh, Icknil is blocked in. This is the only space that any of the children for miles around, including my own and many others, play in. It's not just children, it's adults too. There's a lot of people using that for recreation. They use it for exercising. Health issues as well. You've got more pollution in the future. Old people jog out there for their health reasons. The government um, uh, encourages us to have a healthy lifestyle. How can we do that without facilities? It's very sneaky to do it at the time they're doing it because they've sneaked it in when the schools have closed, when a lot of people are on holiday and they've given us 21 days to um, protest against it when half the population are on holiday. that's down to Barnfield to justify why they have chosen this stage in an academic year when their academic year is well planned in advance to have used the opportunity not to properly consult before they even put the plans in. We live here so we know this space is green spaces here and it's going to be behind the houses. People who come now, how will they know there is, you know, they Nobody will be able to see this open green field. It'll be gone from sight. Well, I moved into this area 
partly because of that green space, to be very honest. Somewhere to go, somewhere to do. But if you don't have that, then what difference is it to any other area, really? I think if this development goes ahead, there won't be a green space in Luton that's safe, frankly. Uh, we did ask to speak to the college, but their principal is on leave at the moment. And they say this is an early stage application and it's been consulting with the Council and Sport England about this already. Uh, it submitted and was approved a planning application for a larger development in 2008. It couldn't afford to go through the development then and so looked at other ways of funding it. This development with that mix of residential, social and care housing, plus the educational aspects will pay for itself, the college hopes. If this affects you, if you're in that area, you live nearby and you're worried about the traffic, about the building. The things that, that always concern me in these things is just the building work. We're having so much building work done in our street and it's just a nightmare. So that, if, if those kind of things worry you, or if you think it will be good for the area, 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. We've had some texts. Uh, ben in Buckingham earlier on texted in his favourite film was Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. I, I asked him why. He's replied, the reason I love stock, love stock, I can't say it. (laughs) The reason I love Lock Stock, there you go, thank you, is because I like the gangster genre of films. They're the only films I watch. He he only watches gangster films. Um, Favourite film of all time is uh, It's a Wonderful Life with James Stewart from Pierre. It's a good film, that. I like that. I do like those old sort of black and white films that have a a happy resolution. I was talking about the college, uh, Richard and Flittick has uh, said, Barnfield College record levels of childhood obesity we should be creating more playing fields not building on them a college should not be a property developer but teaching students loads of schools did this didn't they years ago i remember driving past um uh, my old school and the the playing field had gone and there were loads of houses on the back of it that's that seems to me to be bonkers doesn't it that seems like a ridiculous thing to be doing uh, look, you're, you're texting on everything this morning. Thank you so much, Jill says, uh, on the subject of where have you been stuck. And if you've not seen Boris Johnson stuck on a zip line, go and look at the front page of the paper. I think it's the mail it's on. Or, or go online. It's the most wonderful image. You know, he is the mayor of London. He travels around the world representing people. Uh, Jill says, I've been stuck in lifts three times as a child. Wow. You're like the Jonah of the lift world. So I've avoided going in them now for 33 years. Joe, how can you go, how can you have spent 33 years of your life not going in a lift? That's impossible, isn't it? That's impossible. And David has picked me up. I was, well, I wasn't criticising Bradley Wiggins' um, skinny legs. I was just observing that my legs, very rarely can, my, can I say my legs look nicer than another gentleman's legs, but they do. David has said, and here come some facts, fact fans. Bradley Wiggins' muscle strength is in his thighs, quads and hamstrings. Can you have strong hamstrings? I guess you can. His main strength would be his inner core and mental strength. (laughs) A cyclist of his class would consume 7,000 calories a day on a typical stage of the Tour de France. The equivalent of eating 15 Big Mac burgers, hence his lean physique. There we go, David. Thank you very much. Uh, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.35. Now, this next story uh, you might uh, want to give us your opinion on. So if you do, jot down the phone number 08459 455 
555, because the number of couples who've had civil partnerships is five times higher than what was expected. Over 50,000 people are choosing to mark their relationships in this way, compared to the predicted estimate of 11,000. Last week, the Prime Minister told gay and lesbian groups that gay marriage would be legal by 2015. Joining me now is Christian academic and theologian Professor Adrian Thatcher, who's just written a book called Making Sense of Sex, and Reverend Peter Simpson from Buckinghamshire. Good morning, gentlemen. Hello. Good morning. Peter, what are your thoughts on civil partnership? Uh, Well, in the sight of God, um, a civil partnership uh, is sinful uh, because homosexuality, according to the Bible, which is the word of God, is a sin. Uh, And so my attitude to civil partnerships uh, would be the same as to gay marriage. Uh, They are sinful in the sight of God. Do you think, Reverend, uh, that gay marriage undermines Christianity and the church in any way? Oh, most definitely. Um, Because marriage is an ordinance which goes back to the creation itself. And the government's intention to introduce gay marriage uh, is an attack upon the Christian identity of this nation and it is the politicians saying that they know better than the Lord Jesus Christ. It is nothing less than outrageous. Professor Thatcher, you argue in your book that same-sex relationships and gay marriages should be celebrated within Christianity, don't you? Yes, indeed I do. Exactly. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ said nothing about it, actually. So... Um, said nothing about what? Sorry, the, the gay marriage or homosexuality? Uh, uh, he said he said nothing about either. Right. So appealing to Jesus Christ is just a crazy way of arguing about this. Uh, I'm in favour of uh, of same-sex marriage. I'm in fact I'm delighted about it. Um, in fact, um, you were wrong at the beginning. It's one hundred thousand same-sex couples, is not fifty thousand. Yes. Um, well, according to um, according to the um, the, the Guardian um, press release about that, so there's been a huge response to the change of law, and I'm absolutely delighted about it. I must say, but Professor, the argument I always hear about this is that the homosexuality goes against Christianity. You're saying that it doesn't. No, I'm saying that it doesn't. Um, people, if people can make uh, vows to each other that they will love each other till death do them part for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, for better, for worse, to love and to cherish, then I think it is quite foolhardy for Christians to have a problem with that. Marriage is a very flexible institution. It's changed a lot over time. There was a time when you couldn't get divorced and you couldn't get remarried. There was a time when women had to be obedient to men in marriage, and marriage has uh, changed. It's accommodated the wishes of people over time, and now there are substantial numbers of people of the same sex who wish to marry. This would be another change, and it's a good change, and I'm very glad that it's happened. Reverend, there are two points there that the professor uh, raises, that that it doesn't say in the Bible that homosexuality goes against Christianity, uh, and that marriage is constantly evolving, and the definition of marriage changes throughout history. How do you react to those two points? Well, 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 the the Bible is unequivocal uh, in, in many places, homosexuality um, is called a sin. Uh, We have the teaching in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament and in the New Testament um, we have it in the Epistle to the Romans and uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, Scripture is is plain on this that uh, homosexuality is sinful in the sight of God. It is contrary to the way 
God has made us. Uh, and as to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, never condemning this sin, uh, he frequently alluded to the judgment of God upon the city of Sodom. Uh, and in any case, the whole of Scripture is inspired by the Spirit of Christ, 1 Peter 1, 11. When we read the Bible, we are reading the mind of Christ. Uh, well, gentlemen, you have to forgive me, because my knowledge of the Bible has, has, has kind of faded since I used to go to Sunday school. Adrian, how, how do you re- respond to that? Well, I don't read the Bible like a telephone directory looking for information of that kind. And, of course, uh, you can find in the Bible whatever you want to find there, which is, of course, what heretics have done for 2,000 years. So um, I I really don't find homosexuality in the Bible. That word was only invented in 1869. And if you're going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, well, (laughs) that's just crazy. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was a failure of hospitality, and it was an attempt to involve people in rape. So the idea that this is about homosexuality is just an attempt to read homophobia into Scripture rather than to look at what is there. Reverend, and what about the point... Sorry to interrupt. What about the point that Adrian made that, um, that marriage... The definition of marriage evolves and that if, if people are prepared to stand up in a church and say to their friends and family and to God that they love each other and will be with each other forever, isn't that a good thing? Well, well, no, because we can't make moral decisions according to what society currently thinks. Fashion does not determine truth. Uh, It is currently politically correct to support gay marriage, uh, but we are speaking uh, from a Christian viewpoint. A Christian is someone who submits to the revelation of God. And, And God created man. He created them male and female. Uh, a man and a, a woman are perfectly complementary to one another. Uh, that perfect coming together of two different types of people is what marriage is, and, and you cannot replicate it in a same-sex uh, relationship. So this is all about saying that God is wrong and, and that the Bible is not reliable. Now, uh, everyone is entitled to have that position, but you can't have that position and call yourself a Christian. Reverend, would you ever perform a civil rights ceremony? Uh, Never. No, I'm, I'm actually not a reverend, so I wouldn't be able to do that. But, I w- <laughs> but if I were, I would be delighted to do it, yes. OK. Uh, the, uh, Adrian, what do you, what do you make of uh, what was just being said there? Well, I just, I just think it's completely daft. And, uh, and I also think there is a, there is a great deal of uh, animosity and homophobia involved in this. To blame God for a dislike of gay people and gay marriage and lifestyles and to, and to actually find this in scripture is, uh, is, is a very unfortunate thing. As I just said, the term homosexuality is something that was only invented as recently as 1869. So to find homosexuality in the Bible at all is a very strange claim to make. What we do have in the Bible are some occasions where men have sex with men. Now, I think that's quite right. And the reason why the Bible doesn't like that is because one of the men who has sex with another man is feminized. 
he's penetrated. Okay, well, and that's the thing which is wrong. It's not homosexuality that's wrong at all. I, I, I have to say, this is all, we're having an adult discussion, but there are young ears listening at the moment, yes, so we just don't go into too much graphic detail. Very finally, Reverend, sorry, did you say, Reverend Peter Simpson, that you would not perform uh, a, a civil rights ceremony, if, even if you knew the couple was, was very much in love? Uh, no, no, I'd be endorsing that which is sinful. And the best way to show compassion to uh, homosexual people is to call upon them to repent and come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I cannot uh, understand how, uh, how the, um, the gentleman on the other phone can argue that this is not taught in Scripture. For example, Romans 1, verses 22 to 28, it is absolutely plain that uh, the human body is not designed for homosexual activity, uh, and uh, this is contrary to nature, it is contrary to the way God made us. And out of compassion for homosexual people, uh, this is the message which Bible-believing Christians proclaim. Gentlemen, listen, I could talk uh, almost fascinating. Thank you very much there. That was uh, Professor Adrian Thatcher, who's written a book called Making Sense of Sex, and the Reverend Peter Simpson from Buckinghamshire. The language may have got a little bit fruity there in uh, our descriptions of various things. I hope nobody, uh, you know, was, was offended and had young ears uh, listening this morning. So w- what do you make of that? Uh, the Reverend wants homosexuals to repent because it is sinful. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Maybe you agree with him. Do you agree that it, it, it is wrong uh, uh, that, that a homosexuality is wrong, or b that even if you kind of think that being gay is okay, that they shouldn't be getting married because that just makes a mockery of the church, it makes a, a mockery of the institution of marriage. Or maybe you agree with the professor and that the the Bible makes no comment uh, uh, about being gay, and that it's wonderful that we should celebrate um, long-lasting permanent relationships. Perhaps you've had a a civil ceremony, or you're you're planning to get uh, married when it becomes legal in 2015. Could you give me a call and let me know? Because I find this fascinating. 08459 455 555. 08459. 455555. It's incredibly disappointing. Oh, there we go. I do apologise. Let's, um, I think we need to go to the travel now, don't we? Yes, of course we do. So let's just go here. Beds, hearts and bugs news. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Thursday the 2nd of August, 7.46. These are the headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire cycling star Victoria Pendleton begins her London 2012 campaign today, aiming to follow the success of gold medal winning Bradley Wiggins yesterday. Stopfold's reigning Olympic and world sprint champion is in the team sprint event this afternoon on the first day at the velodrome. Plans to turn a college playing field in Luton into a new free school, 39 houses and an 88-bedroom care home have been submitted to the council. The development will be at Barnfield College on land between New and Old Bedford Road, but it's been strongly criticised by local residents and politicians. In sport, Milton Keynes Dons have signed striker Ryan Lowe for an undisclosed fee from Sheffield Wednesday. And your weather for beds, hearts and bucks. Some sunny spells, but rather cloudy with scattered showers, some turning heavy and thundery. Maximum temperature, 21 degrees Celsius. Coming up, if you live in Milton Keynes, you may have noticed yesterday a 30-foot puppet making its way around the new city. Well, our reporter was there. Another cracking show from Jonathan yesterday. He he does have, I I think we can say this uh, safely, he has a ridiculous laugh. Uh, And it was in full flow yesterday when they were talking about being uh, left-handers. Very entertaining. The London 2012 Games are in full swing with two British gold medals yesterday, but the performance of the Games' main security contractor, the private firm G4S, is still less than world-class. They're still trying to train up security guards. Really? 
Mukhal Devachand has been investigating for tonight's edition of The Report on BBC Radio 4, and he joins me now. Good morning, Mukhal. Good morning. Ian. What have you learnt? <clears throat> well, as you said, the failure to recruit security guards for the Games is still ongoing. G4S said to me last night that they are still short by more than 3,000 on the total they promised to supply, and that's why they're still trying to train people up and get them out there. Anyone attending an event will have spotted the armed forces, of course, who have been drafted in to make up the numbers. We've been speaking to a host of whistleblowers from among the G4S staff anonymously, and from them we heard the same story time and again of disorganisation in scheduling. After the, the, their initial training, they often heard nothing from G4S for months, despite repeated calls and emails. I met this young man, for example, just hours before the Games began. He suddenly was called up just two days before uh, the, he, he, he was meant to be there, and he was told, you'll be working at a major East London venue. It's incredibly disorganised. Nobody seems to know what's going on, where we're going, what we're supposed to do. Even now, the night before, I've got no idea what I'm doing. I think it's case just turning up and finding out on the day which still I should be prepared beforehand. So he doesn't feel prepared for his role then? Well, he says he'd been trained, but mainly for a job as a perimeter guard. The day after we met him, he was sent to assist at an X-ray scanning machine, which he felt he hadn't been fully trained for before. G4S told us that this doesn't happen, that all the staff are given role-specific training. We've also been speaking anonymously to police officers, though. They come from some of the eight forces drafted in at the last minute to help out. And they've told us that they found not only a lack of specific training amongst G4S staff, but also seemingly some failures in the screening and checking of G4S's people. This officer's words are spoken by an actor. On our official police briefing, we've been told that five G4S staff have been arrested for being illegal immigrants and overstaying their visas. When they've been arrested, it's standard procedure to check their history for the computer. It's highlighted that some of these people were arrested have a history of criminality. Previous convictions for thefts, for example. There was one who'd been done previously for an assault. The people being hired and trusted with a significant role of maintaining security for a once-in-a-lifetime event, an incredibly high-profile event, have past histories of criminality and go on and commit crimes while working for G4S. What did G4S have to say about these allegations, Mukal? Well, they pointed out that their staff are subject to rigorous screening and vetting procedures. And, of course, the government and LOCOG, the London Organising Committee of the Games, also vet and screen staff separately because it's them who accredit these, uh, the staff from G4S. And they also say that the allegations made against them in the past have, in often, in many cases, been baseless. We've been looking into the relationship between G4S and uh, LOCOG and the government which gave them the contract. Now, G4S is the biggest security company in the world, so you might legitimately expect them to be pushing for this very high-profile Olympics contract for many years. We've discovered a public statement by a top G4S executive that reveals just how many years. It appears that G4S and other big firms as well fed into the process of writing London's Olympic bid in the first place. When we put this to them, they admitted it. They said that they were involved in an informal and unpaid capacity in writing the uh, Olympic bid or feeding into that process, which, of course, raises the issue of whether G4S became too close to the government and the Olympic bodies, which were meant to be checking up on them. Thank you very much. You can hear Mukal's uh, full report on BBC Radio 4 tonight at 8pm. And it's just that it's the story of the Olympics uh, that just won't go away. It just rolls on and on, and I, it, it would appear that there's there's more that um, more that we can learn about that. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five.
A huge puppet of Lady Godiva will make its way to Luton today as it travels from Coventry to London as part of the Cultural Olympiad. It's powered by 100 cyclists who pedalled to Milton Keynes yesterday afternoon. Our reporter Jessica Cooper spoke to Claire Maddox, a director from Imagineer Productions, who are behind the puppet. The story behind Godiva in brief was that uh, her husband had been, uh, Leah Frick had been raising the taxes and she was trying to persuade him to lower the taxes because the people were starving and struggling and uh, he said to her that he would lower the taxes if she rode through the streets of Coventry naked and she took him at his word, she's a, she's a people's champion, she took him at his word and she did so and all the people averted their bar one which was peeping tom who looked who's <laughs> a who's a famously naughty yeah. character but uh, yeah so so when we were uh, putting together ideas for the project what the arts council were looking for were things that were internationalist things that engaged people things that were about the west midlands region and ways of connecting um to london and the olympic games so essentially uh, diver obviously is an international symbol she also also is um, kind of very in tune with a lot of the Olympic values which are about fairness fair play all those sorts of things um, and the um, the thing about the region we've worked with engineers to create her amazing encyclopedia because we looked at the region and we said well look it's a region that's built essentially on en- engineering and on manufacturing and we wanted to um, do something which very much celebrated that heritage of the region so that we kind of carried the region with us as we traveled to london obviously the thing about traveling to london is is quite a literal way of <laughs> linking uh, the project down to london and the olympic games and also engaging with the towns along the route and having a kind of Olympic moment with, with those towns along the way. So this Godiva, uh, thankfully, is closed. We've got a, a dress on covering up her, her modesty. But how did you come up with the route? It's passing through Milton Keynes and Luton and Hatfield in our area. So why stop in those places? Well, we, we were trying to trace back the basically the original London road so we were trying to go pretty well the the route that you would have gone down to London and that people kind of going on pilgrimage or, or people coming up the um, you know various monarchy and people came up to Coventry back in the day so uh, along that sort of route so it's partly that and partly it's a very practical and logistical thing it's about where aren't the bridges that are too uh, low you know and, and all the rest of it and, and trying to find places where we could connect along route and where people could connect with us and I think you know what's lovely today in Milton Keynes is that we've we've very much found those connections with uh, you know coming to Bradwell Abbey in a place of pilgrimage and, and making those associations with Godiva so yeah it's been a combination of factors really. And what kind of welcoming are you expecting from Luton and Hatfield? Well um Hard to tell, really. I think, it, judging by the, the welcome we've had so far, I think it will be really, really busy. I mean, we, we were in Northampton last night and we came into Market Square and we actually couldn't get into the square. It was so full of people. And all along the route, people are turning out and they're waiting with their deck chairs and they're waving around and cheering. And So the public response to her so far has been fantastic. So hopefully by the time we, we hit uh, Luton and Hatfield, there'll be loads of people turning out to see us. I love stuff like that. Love it. Uh, we were talking about civil partnerships uh, and gay marriage earlier on with a professor who uh, gives it the thumbs up and uh, a reverend who does not approve and thinks it's sinful. Uh, Dennis in Dunstable has called in. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Dennis, what's your take on this? 
Well, part, first of all, I think that the Bible, to start with, is a book of myths. It's been altered so many times, it's been in different languages and converted so many times that we don't even know what the word love means, I'm sure. But apart from that, what about love thy neighbor, it says in the Bible. I've got some very nice neighbors. I wouldn't say, I love the gentlemen, I love the ladies, yeah, that's fine. So, this business, what, why, why is it a sin? What about, the, what about the lots of people now are living just separate lives without marriage at all? So what? It's their decision, nobody else's. And, and how many times does it say that in, in the Bible that you've got to be married? And, and what do they mean by marriage? I mean, what did they used to do, the Hebrews do? What, what was their marriage ceremony? For instance, when years ago when I got married, to be married in a Catholic church was not actually legal until the registrar had signed it. The registrar, you know. So consequently... I just don't understand. I've been married for a long time. And when I married my wife, I didn't marry the Bible. I yeah. married the girl. I was going to get, you know, the love for the rest of her life. So, Dennis, you're, basically you're saying that, um, that if, if gay couples, uh, men or women, want to marry, then why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they? No, why shouldn't they? It's nothing to do with anybody else but the people who are there. And they're making a commitment to themselves. If they... All right, so... They're, they're friends, if you like. They're friends, and live, two friends living together. That's not that's not uh, wrong, is it? Well, I, I would suspect the Reverend object, objects to d- some of the activities that these two friends may be getting up to. What the hell's he got to do with him? Well, there you go. I, 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 time, just a minute. After time, the reverends uh, don't do anything themselves. Are they forbidding someone else to do something? Okay. Well, uh, Dennis, listen. Thank you very much for making your point. Can I just ask Dennis what have you got playing in the background there? Oh, it's a cowboy film. What? I've just come down. <laughs> Why are you watching a cowboy film at 8 o'clock in the morning and not listening to BBC Three Counties? Well, no, I am listening to oh. Three Counties. I've just come down out of my office bedroom and oh. I find my wife's got a cowboy film. Oh. What, Dennis, while we're talking about films, what, what's your favourite film of all time? Oh, I don't know. There's so, so many good ones. I used to think years ago that All Quiet on the Western Front was one of my favourite films. It's a cracking film. Dennis, listen, thank you very much for that. Dennis Indunstable uh, and his wife, who is, uh, is watching a cowboy film at 8 o'clock in the morning. That's keen, isn't it? Uh, Hayden in Luton on the subject of favourite films, and I will give out after eight the, the number one film, according to this uh, survey by critics. My favourite film of all time is Dirty Harry. It's a good film, Dirty Harry. Does it stand the test of time, though? And Esther in Luton, Emma. Oh, dear, 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 you're in trouble. My friend Emma, who has bought a white dress to wear to a wedding. She's not the bride. Regarding your friend buying a white dress for a wedding, however lovely she looks, it's a major faux pas. And if she wants to remain on speaking terms with the bride, she had ought to buy a different dress. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Not looking good for Emma. Coming up in the last hour of the show, more about Barnfield College's plan to build on their playing fields. We'll be talking to Jane, our Olympics expert, and hopefully we'll be taking your phone calls as well. 08459 455 505. Time for the news now with Simon. Thank you very much, Simon. This is Ian Lee. Good morning. BBC Three Counties Radio, your breakfast show here until 9 o'clock. When JVS will take over, he'll pop in in about 15 minutes or so and tell us what he's got on his show today. Coming up in the last hour, I will reveal the number one film of all time according to this new survey. Uh, You can text in your top films, 81333CR. My one, Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's a good film. It is a good film. Al Pacino, one of, uh, easily Pacino's best film. 
based on a true story, you know. What's your favourite film of all time? 81333, start your text 3CR. We'll have more about Barnfield's college plan to build on their playing films. We'll be talking more about the Olympics, of course, and hopefully getting your calls on all of these and some of the other subjects we've uh, talked about this morning. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. 81333 is the text. Start your text 3CR or email 3CR at bbc.co.uk. Oh, and where have you been stuck? On FM, AM and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. I just remembered they're getting stuck, uh, sorry, because someone has tweeted me, and I don't, I don't understand this. I've asked them for clarification, but I don't understand it. Mark Rowland says, I honestly got stuck underneath Canary Wharf on a raft for a whole day. Ah? Uh? Is that even possible, Mark Rowland? D- d- reply to the tweets and, and, and tell me more information. Um, we were talking earlier on about civil partnership um, and that there have been far more civil partnerships than were predicted and that David Cameron has said that by 2015, gay marriage will be legal. And we had a reverend aunt who was against it, and we had a professor who was for it. And you can call us uh, on that, 08459 and let us know your view. That's the number that Sam in Flittick has called. Good morning, Sam. Good morning. Sam, what's your take on this? Um, well, I think the whole religious side of um, gay marriage being wrong or even homosexuality uh, being against God is ridiculous. I mean... When you look at the quotation in the Bible, and it's from Leviticus, it also says that if you wear clothes made from two different fibres, then that's against God. Some of the rules in the, uh, the Bible, um, it would seem, are a little bit outdated. I think there's one about if, if a woman is uh, um, on her period, then she has to go and live outside. I know, she has to go and live outside the town. So there's, you can't eat shellfish and things like that. So in some of the, 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 the rules, and apologies if I've got that slightly wrong, but some of the rules do seem a bit flexible and a little bit old-fashioned. Yeah, and to say that because at one point in the Bible it says something, we, we should follow that for the rest of our lives, then I think that's ridiculous. It seems at the moment that people just cherry-pick what they want to believe. They can't just follow some of it and not the rest. I think that if you truly believe in the Bible, then you should follow it down to letter. You can't just cherry-pick your favourite quotations and use them. Do you think, Sam, that this is one of the problems? The church is, is, is often complaining uh, that their congregations are shrinking. And Paul in Luton has emailed in. Let me just read this. Uh, Ian, the reverend and his outdated views annoy me. With views like this, I'm not surprised people are not going to the church. The only hope is, as individuals with views like his uh, die out, whether in the church or in the congregation, then perhaps the church can be dragged into the 21st century. Do you think that that's the, the reason that fewer and fewer people uh, are seemingly going to, to Christian churches, Sam? Um, I think more to do with that is that uh, Christianity in general is starting to die out. All religion is. In 2009 in the UK, um, 50.7% of the population had no religion. Right. Not to say they were atheists, but they had no religion. And atheism is a very high group of people. I mean, they're, they're rising in numbers. And I do eventually believe that at one point we won't have a Christian nation. I believe we do need to become secular because if we do start basing our laws on an outdated book, then where's it going to stop? Sam, thank you very much. That's the views of Sam. Maybe you completely disagree with him there. 08459 Great Britain's cycling team are hoping to follow the success of Bradley Wiggins, who won gold in the time trial yesterday, when they take to the Olympic velodrome today. I love the velodrome. It's just such a 
bizarre design for it, but it's fantastic. Over the next six days, a Chris Hoy and three counties own Victoria Pendleton will be among those going for gold in the cycling sprint events. Our Olympics reporter Jane Prendergast is on the line. Good morning, Jane. Good morning. Firstly, a fantastic day for Team GB yesterday, wasn't it? Yes, an amazing day. I think we were 21st in the medals table going into uh, yesterday. We are now 11th with those uh, two gold medals. We now have two gold, three silver, four bronze. And, of course, it all started with the women's rowers, Helen Glover and Heather Stanning, a fantastic performance for them. And then, of course, Bradley Wiggins at Hampton Court winning the gold. In the cycling time trial, we should also mention his teammate, Chris Froome, who took the bronze. Uh, Chris, who'd Supported him very strongly in the Tour de France as well, uh, battled his way around the course. I saw um, a a speed check on him. He was doing 30 miles an hour on his bike. So uh, there we go. That's some idea of the speed they go at. Last night, we should say as well, in the pool, Michael Jameson produced the swim of his life to take the 200 metres breaststroke silver. He was literally um, 15 hundredths of a second behind Hungary's Daniel Goethe, who took the gold. So that was a very close race last night. And let's not forget the other bronze medal from yesterday in the rowing the men's eight a huge boost to the team gb tally and a day of sporting moments to remember yesterday on the show we were talking about those uh, naughty badminton players that, that cheated and we can say that officially i hadn't seen the footage i saw it last night it was incredible they weren't even you know pretending to play decently they, that's still the big news isn't it well, there's still people talking about it, but there has been discussion today about whether, uh, because they were trying to manipulate their way through the rounds, I think China may be hoping that if they took a certain route, both the Chinese teams would be in the final, therefore a chance of getting gold and silver. So some discussion in places this morning um, as to were they really trying to lose or were they really trying to win? Certainly, though, the Badminton World Federation took the view that they should be disqualified. Um, an appeal from the South Koreans was rejected and uh, the world federation uh, from badminton getting some praise for dealing with the issue very quickly and decisively one of the chinese players as well we know has announced that she's actually quitting the sport completely good uh today the focus sorry to not be impartial there but good uh today the focus turns to the velodrome what can we look forward to there well, we will be able to see Sir Chris Hoy uh, beginning his London 2012 campaign um, as action gets underway in the velodrome. I'm going to go and have a look at the velodrome today inside so I can tell you more about it. I hear Brilliant. it's made of a lot of Siberian pine, uh, but Hoy and uh, Jason Kenny won uh, Team Sprint Gold in Beijing. They will bid to defend their title. Victoria Pendleton, who we know is going to retire after the game, she's competing alongside Jess Varnish in the women's event, so keep an eye out 10 to 6 the women's final this evening the men's is at 10 past 6 also today Rebecca Adlington in the pool for the heats of the 800 meters freestyle the chance of another medal for the rowers uh, the lightweight men's four final at uh, 10 past 12 and there could be a medal for um, team GB in the shooting today with uh, Peter Wilson who's the world record holder and the world number two he's going in the double trap the final of that is at three o'clock. And I have seen something I think you might be interested in. Oh, go on, Jane. What is it? 
Okay, it is um, a little app on a BBC site, your Olympic athlete body match. You Ooh. put in your height and your yeah. weight, and it comes up with the person you are most like who's taking part in the Olympics. So oh. I'm thinking you might be a basketball player. I'm thinking I might be. I'm going to have a little go at that. I shall let people know. Uh, finally, Jane, I don't know if you know about this, but the, the Bradley Wiggins is calling for people to wear helmets um, after a cyclist was tragically killed yesterday by, by an official vehicle. Do you know anything about this? I do. This is one of the buses, actually, that takes um, media from places where we're staying, like the accommodation that, that we've been put in in East London, um, to the Olympic site. And it was one of those buses that was in collision um, with a cyclist who um, had sadly died at the scene. Um, and Bradley Wiggins was asked about it at a press conference shortly afterwards, and he called for new laws. Oh, we've lost uh, there, but I think what, what Jane was about to say was that, uh, that, that Bradley has called for new laws, tighter laws for cycling safety, uh, including making it compulsory to wear a, a cycling helmet, which I think, uh, I, I think makes sense, doesn't it? But very, very sad news that uh, someone was knocked over by one of those buses yesterday. Talking about films, the best films of all time, and uh, Matt is in Luton. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. What's your favourite film of all time? Well, i got two, but the, the main one is, uh, guess who's coming to dinner? Oh, Sidney Poitier. Spencer Tracy and Sidney Poitier. Oh, it's a fantastic film, and a, a very well, important film as well. If you mean the other film is The High Society, of course, you can't beat that. Well, the, neither of those films are in the critics' top ten. Shall I tell you the number one film? Go on, then. Uh, and I've not seen this. Vertigo. I see it the other week. I watched a bit, but I... Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you, you disagree. the Spencer Tracy film... Uh, I, most people will relate to that at my age. Yeah. Because when you when you when you went to meet your parents your wife's parents, you were always a bit wary, whatever colour you were. Yes, well it was a, ter- <laughs> it was a terrifying experience meeting the, the wife's parents. Uh, the, uh, you know, and um for me it was it was more um uh, meet the parents was uh, was it was the terrifying reality of meeting my uh, in-laws for the first time. But yes, no, guess who's coming to dinner is a superb film and a very important film in uh, cinematic history. But the number one film in this list of top ten films by critics is Vertigo Hitchcock. I've not seen that many Hitchcock films. I don't know if they stand the test of time. Psycho does definitely. Uh, the Birds does. The Birds is a brilliant film. But I'm always looking at the back projection and the special effects, and it ruins it for me because obviously it's awful. It would be if it was made in when it was made 1956, something like that. But that kind of puts me off. If only someone would remake the birds, wouldn't that be good? No, it wouldn't. Of course, it'd be awful. Someone remade Psycho, didn't they? Shot for shot. That's the most pointless uh, the thing you could ever do, isn't it? These top ten films, very quickly, and I, I've only seen two of these. Number ten, it's eight and a half. Nine, The Passion of Joan of Arc. Eight, Man with a Movie Camera. Seven, The Searchers. Six, the most tedious film of all time, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Five, Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. Four, Le Regle de Jeu. Three, Tokyo Story. Two is Citizen Kane, which normally wins these things. And number one is Vertigo. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Beds, hearts, and bugs news. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Thursday, the second of August. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire cycling star Victoria Pendleton begins her London 2012 campaign today, aiming to follow the success of gold medal winning Bradley Wiggins yesterday. Stockfold's reigning Olympic and world sprint champion is in the team sprint event this afternoon on the first day at the velodrome.
Plans to turn a college playing field in Luton into a new free school, 39 houses and an 88-bedroom care home have been submitted to the council. The development will be at Barnfield College on land between New and Old Bedford Road, but it's been strongly criticised by local residents. In sport... Milton Keynes Dons have signed striker Ryan Lowe for an undisclosed fee from Sheffield Wednesday. We'll have a full sports bulletin in 15 minutes. We'll have a full weather bulletin in a moment with Chris Bell. And coming up, we find out more about the plans for developments of land near Barnfield College. Our reporter is there for us this morning. If you live near there, if you know the area that we're talking about, can you give me a call? 08459 455 555. I've been led to believe that these playing fields uh, serve you know the community that a lot of people go there and play football they go and play on them is it going to affect you if they go 39 houses an 88 bedroom care home and a school that's going to be a lot of traffic in the area isn't it that's going to make it very busy around there 08459 455 555 is the phone number if you want to give me a call on that you also got about 42 minutes or thereabouts if you want to give me a call uh, and let me know your favorite film of all time uh, we've had some good suggestions coming in. Uh, and also, if you've ever been stuck anywhere, the pictures in the paper... There's a brilliant picture in the papers this morning of uh, Boris Johnson, the Mayor of London, an ambassador for this country. Oh, my goodness. Looking like a plum. He was, was on a zip line. Yes, one of these things where you kind of you hold on to a, the, the thing and you, you fly down this wire. And he got stuck on it. So there's him waving his union flags, and he gets stuck on this wire. Now, of course, when he came off, he, he, he managed to talk his way out of it slightly by saying, oh, it's my brilliant idea to get stuck and uh, do that. But it just, it's just embarrassing. He is embarrassing, isn't he? But where have you been stuck? I got, I, I'm constantly getting stuck in my downstairs uh, uh, toilet because we've had the, the, the handles changed. And the handle doesn't work. How can a handle stop working? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five, and also we were talking about civil partnerships and gay marriage. Are you for or again? Time now to get the weather with Chris Bell. Call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. And you can call this show anytime about anything, any of the stories we're talking about or any of the stories you think we should be talking about. And if you've been, I've been here for four weeks and tomorrow's my last day. So if you've been thinking, oh, I, I wouldn't mind giving them a call, then today and tomorrow, that's when you've got to do it, unless you phone me at home, and I'd rather, I'd rather you didn't do that. Uh, plans for a new free school, 39 houses and an 88-bedroom uh, care home on a college playing field in Luton have been submitted. The development on Barnfield College's field on Old Bedford Road has already been strongly criticised by local residents and politicians. Uh, Justin Dealey has been there all morning and can fill us in. Good morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. Yes, I'm just um, o- I'm opposite the site right now. I'm on the top of uh, Blandford Avenue. Uh, uh, the proposed site here is sandwiched in between the old and new Bedford Road. Now, currently, as I look to, to my left-hand side, Ian, I can see four full-size football pitches uh, and one full-size rugby pitch, we are, which are accessible to the public all the time. Now, if these plans are approved, this will be replaced by one full-size football pitch, an all-weather pitch, four junior pitches, four mini pitches and a rugby pitch, plus of course what you mentioned in the introduction, the school, 39 houses an 88 bedroom care home so lots happening here the radio car is surrounded by local residents who are clearly not happy about these ideas. Rabina, yourself first of all, you live on this road opposite the site, why are you so against these plans? 
These plans are simply not sustainable. The whole development would be an absolute disaster for local residents. It hasn't been properly planned and simply not in character with the area itself. In fact, it's a completely inappropriate development. It'll ruin the character of the area forever and actually goes against the council's own planning principles. If it goes ahead, this wonderful open green space, which has been enjoyed by local residents and others for years, will be enclosed by a concrete wall of housing, flats, the large care home and dependency unit that you spoke about, and a 500-pupil primary school, none of which were... none of which are needed here and none of which will benefit the local community. You're saying it's absolutely wonderful. When was the last time you actually used that area over there to our right-hand side? Just the other week. had a lovely walk on the field uh, with my daughters. We saw the birds flying through. We saw, um, with another resident, uh, a lot of bees feasting on the clover as we did so. And there were so many children just scattered around in little groups, playing football, chatting and uh, just impromptu games of, of cricket going on. It's such a beautiful, open environment, and uh, if we lose it, I think it will be to the detriment of everybody in Luton, and no other green space in Luton will be safe from development. OK, lots to squeeze in. Shaffer, you're going to bring Prince William into this argument. Tell us more about that. I'm intrigued. Yep, OK, well, Prince William is actually trying to um, gift 2012 dedicated green spaces by the end of this year to the Queen as a Jubilee gift Um, so my plea to Barnfield would be why don't you try and chip in Um, and uh, maybe they should try to protect fields as well Okay, and Sarah you've been organising the petition, Uh, what's the feeling like here and how many signatures are on that petition so far? Okay, so we have over 600 signatures so far opposing the development. There's been total outrage at the proposals and there's an overwhelming consensus that people do not want this development. We want to protect um, our neighbourhood from this development and preserve the field for future generations. Are you just protecting your property price? Uh, And that's about it? Absolutely not. That field is used by so many people, it, it would just be... It would just be a travesty, really, that um, we'd lose it. Some people are prepared to go all the way on this, which we'll come to very soon. And uh, also with me here at the Radio Car is Martin Pantling. Martin is a Lib Dem local councillor. You're also against the plans. Now, the government say, Martin, that uh, the sale of a playing field is a last resort. So are we really that short of land here in Luton? Well, we are in terms of the green spaces, but we're not when we look at all the brownfield sites that should be developed first. There are so many brownfield sites all over the borough that to start building all over green land, um, it's preposterous. Now, when you look at the Parks Department's own comments on the application, they say that Luton only has half of the playing fields that it should have. They say that amenity land is uh, very, in very short supply in the area and that this is really the only local open amenity land for the whole of the residents in Bushmead and Barnfield. They also say that this application would cut that off completely. You certainly feel, like a number of our texters this morning, that colleges should not become property developers. The last question to you would be that uh, Lucenborough Council's housing policy officer has already expressed their clear approval of these plans. If that person is listening to this right now, I'm sure they are, what is your message to them? Well, I imagine that they're just doing their job in trying to create some houses, but why don't we look at the brownfield sites first? Um, the determination of the plan will be for a whole balanced assessment by the committee based on planning policies, environmental policies, the dreadful traffic problems we'll have cutting off a main artery on the A6 and traffic getting in and out of town with the increased traffic. All of those things have to be taken into consideration alongside the housing needs. And uh, we think overall, in terms of the mitts on the site, care homes, primary schools, high dependency units, college blocks, these don't 
don't go together, it would be an appalling blot on the landscape and it would be uh, to the detriment of Luton as a whole. A couple of final points here, Ian, because the car is absolutely surrounded by local people. Who else wants to have their say on this? One more of you. you sir, you come forward. So, yeah. so tell us very, very briefly in 30 seconds why you're so against these plans. Again, it's just the loss of the openness of the space and the fact that we have this beautiful... Um, autumn time when all the birds come in all the, all the seagulls will land and it's a carpet of, of birds that in it alone is very very sad and if I can just echo the headlines of the Herland Post from last week happiness is not here when we lose access to parks and open spaces which they say is important to this town and a final point from Rabina, and this is the final point. Sorry we can't get in any more opinions this morning, but um, you're saying that the elderly residents here are prepared. Now, if this does get the go-ahead, of course, and of course it's only in the planning stages right now, but if planning was given, the elderly residents here would be prepared to, to stand in front of bulldozers and risk their own lives to prevent this going ahead. Yes, yes the comment, that comment has been made. Um, and in fact, uh, we are going to be doing an appeal uh, this evening when we have our meeting at Bushmead Community Centre at 7pm this evening. We'd like all the residents to come along and for people to pledge their support to this cause. Fascinating. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. There you go. The residents of Blandford Avenue, which is opposite this proposed site, Ian. Uh, you've heard some of the passion there. And these people, that they are prepared to risk their lives if this, of course, does go ahead and stand in front of those bulldozers. More to come on this story, I'm sure, in the near future on Three Counties Radio. Well, Justin, thank you very much for that. It was fascinating listening. And we will be following that as it goes on 08459 what time do you call this, love? Oh, I, I'm so sorry. Well, I'm so sorry. I've you been doing up there having I've breakfast <laughs> or something. I've <laughs> <laughs> been racing all over the place. Uh, anyway, I will tell you what's coming up on the Please big Please do. Would you mind? I'll do it quickly. Yes, as quickly as you can. <laughs> coming up after nine this morning, I'm asking: Would you go to a gay civil partnership? The number of couples, as you've been discussing this morning, who've had civil partnerships is five times higher than what was expected. Over one hundred thousand people are choosing to mark their relationships. In this way compared to the predicted estimate but the reverend peter simpson from buckinghamshire told you and your listeners this morning that homosexuality is a sin well from nine this morning i want to hear your views would you go to a gay civil partnership perhaps you've already been to a gay civil partnership if so was it a sinful affair i want to hear your views from nine this morning oh eight four five nine four double five five double five uh, an excellent topic and i shall be listening to that can i just say you with the left-handed uh, lady was it, it was yesterday wasn't yes, it yes yes it was wonderful radio you like that i've i've never heard so much giggling it was just giggling it was just giggling constant it? giggling it was fun it, it was, was a great fun. i'd never realized have you tried right are you left-handed no i'm right-handed try and write hello with your left hand oh, you now. can't you can't do it can you look go on, try <laughs> oh that's not bad that's, that's not bad that's, no, that's not, not bad it's not as bad as my, my right hand's pretty bad yes it looks like the kind of letters i received written in crayon <laughs> it was a cracking show i enjoyed it thanks. i shall be listening to this this morning thanks, thanks Ian. jonathan thank you very much just tomorrow remember we do this about sort of 16 past <laughs> thanks very much jonathan vernon smith there um his show will be starting about nine o'clock the bbc in beds hearts and bucks this is bbc three counties radio I've just had an exciting um, piece of information that my friend Emma, yeah, the one who's bought the white dress to wear at the wedding, even though she's not the one getting married, she's listening. She's going to come in later on. She's going to come on the radio, and uh, she's been listening to all of your texts and your um, uh, your comments. If you've got any co- any more suggestions for her, she has bought a white dress to wear at the wedding. She is not the bride. We have to convince her this is a terrible idea. 
08459 455 555. We've got some really good texts about your favourite films uh, and other bits and pieces as well. Now, one of the biggest names in Team GB starts our Olympic campaign today. Victoria Pendleton, who was born in Hitchin and whose family live in Stotfold in Bedfordshire, is taking, taking part in the cycling sprint events at the Velodrome on the Olympic Park. She's the reigning world and Olympic champion in the event. Our reporter, James Burridge, has been talking to her father, Max, who is a competitive cyclist himself, and remembers when Victoria and her twin brother, Alex, started racing at the age of nine. We've got pictures of, of odd bits of it, so you know, we, we know how, how small they were and uh, how low the saddles were on the top tubes on the bicycles, so they, were, they could only just get on them with, with helmets at the time that weren't very pretty either. Uh, rather big and cumbersome. When did you know, though, that your daughter was going to be something special? When she was about 13, 14, she started to um, turn out bursts of speed that, that normal people can't turn out. Fast twitch muscle fibres. <laughs> she get that from you, do you think, Max? No, it comes <laughs> down the female line, apparently. <laughs> so they came from a mother. Yeah. No, no, no part in that, unfortunately. Yeah. All the titles she's had, what are it, nine world titles are on mm. top of all the fantastic success of Beijing. Um, is there one for you which sticks out the most? Yeah, the first one was a good one. The, it was on the television and it finished at midnight and the, the commentary stopped at that point and, and we knew she was down to the last four and she, we knew she was going to meet Mears in the semi. So we went to bed not knowing and she phoned me up at five o'clock in the morning and said, Dad, I'm world champion. Have you got tickets? Monday for the sprint final, I've got tickets, courtesy of uh, British Cycling. Quite courtesy, I had to pay for them. Um, they're allocated as I'm an organiser of bike races. Are you a nervous spectator when you watch? No, not really, no. I, I don't... Uh, they sometimes say the parents, though, get more nervous than, oh, than, than those that yeah, actually yeah, doing it. The, the worst part is when, when... I understand sprinting fairly well, which is the, the big event that she wants to win. Um, and... I know what's needed, I know when you've got to be going, and sometimes you're thinking, you've got to be going, you've got to be going, you've got to be going, it's too damn late, you know. Just a final one then, she's the poster girl, isn't she, of, of the mm -hmm. London Olympics, one of a few, yeah. I suppose, along with Jess Ennis and maybe yeah. a few others. Can she handle that pressure? Yes, yes, no problem. She's been practising it for 12 years now, <laughs> so it should be quite easy. There we go. It's, uh, it's exciting stuff. And I, I keep saying this. I'm enjoying the Olympics far more than I should be. I don't like sport. I don't like it at all. And yesterday I was having a, a, a watching a little bit of handball. We watched some archery, some of the, uh, the swimming. I'm having a fantastic time. 08459 555555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. I've got some, uh, some texts about various different things. So um, let me, we'll do the favourite films first after it's, a new poll has revealed that Vertigo is apparently the best film of all time, knocking off Citizen Kane for the first time in 50 years. I've never seen Vertigo. Any good? Uh, Paula says, my favourite film is Yours, Mine and Owls with Lucille Ball. Never seen it. And this is a strange one. The, 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 really? Footloose with Kevin Bacon? <laughs> Listen, it's a cracking film. I'll give you that. It's got some great tunes in it. But, really? Isabella uh, has said, your friend, we're talking about um, uh, Emma, one of my, uh, my friend and who, who works on the show, she's going to pop in later on. Your friend could dye her dress. There are some good dyes on the market at the moment. Or buy lace flowers and add colour to it. This is, she's bought, a, she's bought a white dress to wear to a wedding. You are joking. 
Uh, and Pat in Houghton Regis, we're talking about um, civil partnerships and gay marriage. Ian, why is it that those who do not agree with homosexuality are called homophobic when all they are expressing is their opinion? Homosexuality is an unnatural act. That's from Pat in Houghton Regions. If you uh, disagree or agree with any of those, 08459 455555. Plans for a new free school. 39 houses and an 88-bedroom care home on a college playing field in Luton have been submitted. The development on Barnfield's College's, uh, Barnfield College's field on Old Bedford Road has already been strongly criticised by local residents and politicians. These residents said that traffic and the loss of a sports field were their main concerns. When the school is open, if you want to go any time during that uh, drop-in or pick-up time to cross the lane to go to A6, it takes ages already. And if they build uh, school, um, residential home and all these houses, most of people have at least two cars per house. What's going to happen to the traffic? And what's going to happen to the children crossing the roads? During the uh, rush hour, my driveway is blocked by, by cars. They park literally blocking my driveway and somebody else's. And I have to literally wait. And there's a uh, blockage both ends from that side and that side. And I can't really get in to my own drive. It's all packed. There's no space for parking. When you back out as well, there's cars that are literally obstructing your view. So you can imagine that when you're backing out of your own drive, you run the risk of being clipped from behind by a vehicle that's travelling 30 miles an hour, maybe breaking the limit. So it's very dangerous. I have completely lost the amenity that that is. Why is it nice to live here? Because there's places for children to play. Mm. Teenagers, we're not talking about just the youngsters. Minor teenagers and many around here. Ickneal School is a large area. It's the teenagers who will lose out of here. There's an amenity there and it's a visual relief from all the buildings you drive through. Who wants to drive through solid streets for mile after mile? If you're going to have a city, you have to have a green belt in the middle of it and that is a key part of it. It's a visual amenity it's a rest for the eyes and it's also for the teenagers to play it's ridiculous to take well local residents are feeling very passionate as we heard earlier with uh, justin some of them are even prepared to stand in front of bulldozers if it comes to that alan newington is the principal of barnfield college and joins me now good morning alan good morning uh, alan you you heard uh, the uh, opinions of some of the residents there how do you react to those I, I didn't actually hear the opinion. Did you of the not? Actually, no. I apologise. Sorry, I thought you could. Uh, basically, th- they're they're very upset, and we've got a lot of them saying um, it's disgusting that the, the fields will be going, uh, that we'll, they'll be using a local uh, losing a local amenity, uh, and that some of them are prepared to stand in front of bulldozers to stop this from happening. Right. In, in terms in terms of fields going, there are very strict guidance and guidelines from Sport England, which the local authority will make us comply to mm. in respect of any development on the college campus. And those guidelines are national guidelines set down by Sport England. But it doesn't necessarily make it uh, morally right or right for the local community, does it? But there are a lot of amenities. I mean, we're not that very far from Wardown Park. You have the Sixth Form College close by. You have uh, the New School. But as I say... The development planned is a proposal at this moment. We're into a consultation stage and we are going through this process with the in full cooperation, in full communication with Luton Bar Council's uh, planning department. This is a smaller scheme than the original scheme which was given outline planning permission um, about oh, three or four years ago. A, a far smaller scheme than that one. Um, that had outline planning permission after a consultation invo- involving the local neighbours and I've been at the college quite a long while, and I can remember way back, probably in the 1990s, we did have outline plan permission to put housing all round the field. 
But 88 um, bedroom care home, 39 houses, a new free school. If parking is, is bad around there already, it's going to be a nightmare after that, isn't it? Uh, we have, if you know the Corris campus, we do have a very large uh, car park. And again, the council will impose on us strict guidance and strict requirements in terms of parking facilities. What's the, what's, uh, how much? Sorry, no, Ian, can I just say, of course you can, Alan, I, yes. I, I travel, I've been at the college a long while, I travel between campuses, and I can honestly say I have never witnessed parking around the college. If you go past the back of the college field on Old Bedford Road, so at three o'clock in the afternoon, there are cars parked all over the pavement and all over the grass going to Bushmead School, but I've never witnessed it down Barnfield Avenue. Well, I think what the residents are saying is that these new buildings w- would make the parking uh, worse. How much money will this uh, development make? How much money will it make? Well, what, 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 I'm assuming you're, you're selling the land. Is, what's, is that the case? Uh, the, the land will be sold off as part developer. Uh, we currently have... Only um, provisional figures in terms of valuation. We're not at the stage yet of negotiating what any are contracts. What are, what are I, can't those tell, I can't tell the top of my head because I haven't got the information in front of me. I'm in a different office at the moment. Okay. You, you, uh, you don't have a, a, a rough idea? You don't remember from no, having looked at it? No, no. Okay. It's ob- but it's obviously worthwhile for the college, isn't it? The college will use these funds to develop uh, the facilities of the college for the benefit of the community. But if the community is losing an amenity, as a lot of these residents are saying, then surely that's to the detriment of the community, isn't it? But it's actually putting uh, forward more amenities for the community. A development of the college site, I mean, the college, the college there is over 40 years old. I can remember that building being put up. It's, it isn't a particularly good-looking building. We're aiming to uh, put there a building which blends far better with the community. But but uh, an eighty-eight bedroom care home isn't going to support isn't going to be a, a useful amenity for. And while of course we need care homes, of course we do for those Im- living in the immediate vicinity, is it? Who knows? I mean, you've got well, a care home just around the corner. You've got a number of care homes up the New Bedford Road now. It, Who knows? Well, it, it won't be, will it? It won't help most of the people living in the streets surrounding it. Care homes get people in from all over the country, not just from the, the immediate streets. I, I can't comment on that. What I can say is the care home will provide a realistic working... Because part of that requirement will be the care home works with us, assuming the care home does go there, because there's no specific contract signed for that at the moment. The care home would be required to work with us, provide training facilities uh, in partnership with us for a very large cohort of students we have who have been trained in that area to support the public of the future. Alan, can you understand why the residents are upset? Yeah, I can. I can. I, I, I'm aware there is a petition circulating. I have got a local council. I'm just waiting for him to come at the council for the Ipney Award. Um, is it Michael Garrett? Uh, I don't live in Lutz, I can't remember his name. But the council for the Ipney Award, uh, he's waiting to come and see me. I'm just waiting for him to confirm an appointment. Yes, we'll discuss this with them. Supposing the residents are 100% against it, would you listen to them and stop the plans? <laughs> Uh, we have to move the college forward. The Luton Bar Council will obviously take into account, Luton Bar Council's plan department will obviously take into account all the um, concerns of the local community and anybody else because there's people uh, travelling to Luton who go past there. Um, any traffic concerns will also be a concern from people travelling outside Luton. Uh, Alan, we've got to move on. We're out of time. Thank you very much for that. Alan Ewing, uh, Ewington is the principal of Barnfield College and uh, no doubt we'll be following this story uh, a bit more. Beds, hearts and bugs news. BBC Three 
Counties Radio. It's 8.48, it's Thursday the 2nd of August. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire cycling star Victoria Pendleton begins her London 2012 campaign today, aiming to follow the success of gold medal winning Bradley Wiggins yesterday. Stockfold's reigning Olympic and world sprint champion is in the team sprint event this afternoon on the first day at the velodrome. Plans to turn a college playing field into Luton, uh, in Luton into a new free school, 39 houses and an 88-bedroom care home have been submitted to the council. The development will be at Barnfield College on land between New and Old Bedford Road, but it's been strongly criticised by local residents. In sport, Milton Keynes Dons have signed striker Ryan Lowe for an undisclosed fee from Sheffield Wednesday. And the weather for beds, hearts and bucks. Some sunny spells, but rather cloudy with uh, scattered showers, some turning heavy and thundery. Maximum temperature is 21 degrees Celsius. Coming up, we'll catch up with our sports presenter, Luke Ashmead, as he prepares to spend another day of the Olympics at the Lee Valley Centre in Hertfordshire. And on the JVS show at nine o'clock, the phone-in is, would you go to a gay civil partnership? Kate, uh, Kate Robbins filling in for Nick this week. And do have a listen. It's, it's, it's well worth having a listen. Now, um, where are we? Yes, today, another of our athletes from the three counties will go for gold at the London Olympics. Etienne Stott grew up in Bedford. He'll compete in the canoe slalom C2 with his partner, Tim Bailey. Our uh, Olympic reporter, Luke Ashmead, will be there at the Lee Valley White Water Centre in Hertfordshire later on today. Now, Luke, yesterday was another disappointing day of canoeing for Team GB, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, not been, it's not been great so far. I mean, great spectacle, but as far as success, it's not gone brilliantly. Um, Tuesday, uh, David Florence went out in the C1 event, which is the single-man canoe. Didn't even make it to the final. He was a silver medalist in Beijing last year, so that just shows you how disappointing that was. Uh, yesterday, Richard Hounslow was in the kayak. Difference between the kayak and the canoe. Kayak, you sit down with your legs out. Canoe, you kneel down. Um, slight difference in the paddles as well. Kayak with a two-ended paddle. Uh, canoe with a one-ended paddle. Uh, Richard Hounslow as well went yesterday. He didn't make it into the final either. So a slight disappointment from a, from a team perspective and certainly from an individual perspective. And obviously the crowd at Lee Valley White Water Centre, many of them from the local area, didn't really get the opportunity to cheer a, a GB hopeful on in the final. I did not know that about canoes and kayaks. I feel thoroughly informed. Thank you, Luke. What else is happening for the athletes of Beds, Hearts and Bucks? Well, today, uh, of course, uh, we've got the uh, all five GB competitors in action today. We've got the, the men's C2 event, and as I was explaining, the C1 event is the single-man canoe. Uh, the C2, as you could probably guess, it's not rocket science, is a, is a double canoe. So two men in the canoe, and for GB, we've got uh, Richard uh, Hounslow and David Florence. Of course, they compete in their single events as well. <coughs> we've also got Bedford's Etienne Stott, who you mentioned there uh, in the opener, alongside Tim Bailey. Now, how it works is we've got 10 boats. They start at uh, 1.30 this afternoon. They all have one run down the course. It's a different course to the one they qualified in, so they'll have had to work that out. Uh, they have one run, 10 boats, the top six boats time-wise, and that's taking into consideration any penalties, two-second penalty for touching a, uh, a gate uh, and a 50-second penalty for missing. Of course, that would put you out of the competition completely. The top six boats go through. So the ultimate aim, and the, there is a possibility that in the final of six boats this afternoon, we could have two GB boats, including Bedford's Etienne Stott. There's also a K1 competition today. Uh, that's, that's a women's K1. That's the kayak again. Lizzie Neve, she looks very, very strong. Her performance in, in the uh, qualifiers was excellent. Her final run put her in second position going into this. And she's got a great chance of making the final and, who knows, a medal. 
Luke, excellent stuff. Hopefully we'll speak to you tomorrow and find out what happens. Thank you very much there, Luke Ashmead. The Olympics, I'm really enjoying it a lot more than I was expecting to. And yesterday, a lot of the team of the show got Olympic fever. uh, And we booked uh, tickets for the Paralympics. Some of them are going to the athletics. And I'm going to the Women's Paralympic Weightlifting on the Saturday, the 1st of September. Tickets are 15 quid. Do you know what I mean? You, some of the Olympics tickets are like 50, 75 pounds, 100 pounds. The Paralympics, 15 quid. Superb. Now, all this morning, I've been telling you uh, how Emma, who is, is I, I say friend of mine, I use that very, very loosely. She works on the show primarily. And I say works again, you know, very loosely. She's bought a new dress to wear to a wedding in a few weeks' time. Nothing weird about that. You'd think, well, that's good. She's got a new dress. Excellent. She's bought a white dress, yes. Now, I don't know anything about clothes or anything like that, but I know that's a bad mistake. And we've been hearing uh, your opinions, and generally it seems as though you're thinking it's a bad idea. Mm. Emma is in the studio now, Emma. Hi. What were you thinking? Well, I've recently been on holiday, so I've got quite a nice tan. You have. And I was like, well, I think I want to get a dress that's quite light in (laughs) colour, so it'll make me look more brown. So this was my idea. But I I bought it online, so this is hopefully going to be where... I'm going to be saved. So, because I think the pictures of clothes that you'd have online are actually lighter than when real life. So, I'm hoping that it's more of a cream than a white. Your your only failsafe is that the internet is sometimes a little bit lighter than real life. Yeah. But did you not? Did you not think? This is actually quite a rude thing to do. I'm angry with you. It's rude. It's rude. It doesn't even look like a wedding dress. It doesn't? It doesn't look at all like a wedding dress. It's a nice, sort of sensible dress, quite conservative. It's nice. It'll be classy. I'm uh, going to speak to an expert now, because we've got Debbie Diggle, who's a wedding planner from Wedding Wonders in Hertfordshire. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Ian. Can you believe what you're hearing? I... I actually feel quite sorry for her. Oh, no! Youngsters these days, huh? I know. But, no, I'm afraid, no, you can't wear a white dress. Oh, Debbie! That's that's basic knowledge, isn't it? It's it's disrespectful to the bride, isn't it, Debbie? Well, it, it is a bit of a faux pas, yes. What is uh, so? She's got to. Are there any other colours that she should avoid, or should she just get something completely different? What if she decorates the, d- the dress? Yeah, if she could decorate the dress, then that would be acceptable. If it, if she's got a bright coloured belt that could go round it, and maybe um, I don't know, a really bright jewellery. After after the show yep. today kind of seeing texts come through and hearing people's opinions it has changed my mind a little bit and to be honest the very fact that i'm thinking about it this much Mm. probably means that i shouldn't wear white when is the wedding in a couple of weeks time oh so you've not got long no why do you girls buy clothes on the internet as well my wife always does it they never fit her and she sends them back it's a nightmare i'm not gonna send it back (laughs) debbie are there any other etiquette issues that uh, uh, wedding guests you know should follow be respectful of the fact that it is somebody else's big day and not yours, um, and don't upstage the bride in any way. Yeah. Um, people walking in late, making a scene. Um, is that me? Am I making no, a no, scene? No, 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 no. I, was, I didn't mean you, Emma. I didn't mean oh, she's you getting paranoid now, Debbie. And also, I find it really, really offensive if people. There are a lot of people who seem to think it's the right time to announce their own engagement. Oh, oh yes, yeah. they do that, don't they? That's not respectful. That's not nice. Or propose. Yeah, well, yeah. 
don't do that either. Because yes, it's th- then the focus is taken off the main couple. Exactly. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, You're I'm not going to do that. I'm You're just going to wear white. That. All right, Debbie, listen, thank you so much for being good sport and coming on. Debbie Diggle is a wedding planner from Wedding Wonders. And what you've done, uh, Emma, is mm. very sneaky here because all of the texts, we've had lots of texts basically saying, don't do it, it's a terrible mistake. Then just as Debbie was talking, very smugly, Emma handed me the one text that's in her favour. What's so bad about the white dress? It would be much worse if it were black or no dress at all, says Barry in Hemel. Thank you, Barry. You're on my side. Are you, you going to change the, de- uh, the dress? I don't know. I think I need to wait till it comes and then and then decide. Unbelievable. I'm a bit, I am a bit scared. Emma, thank you very much. Go and tidy up your mess next door so that the JVS team can uh, can get ready. There we go. Thank you for your, your input on that, dear listener. I think I think we've solved the problem. It's youngsters these days. They, don't, they just don't know the etiquette, do they? They don't know the etiquette. Uh, I enjoyed that. Oh, look, here's a, a text from, uh, from Jill. Uh, about Barnfield College. I don't know if this is true, and I, I, I should have asked the um, the principal there. This can't be true, can it? My husband is Lutonian born and bred. He says he thinks, uh, remembering that the playing field of Barnfield College were gifted to them by the council on the proviso that they remain available to the community. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. We can look into that. But it's certainly a story that we will be following um, over the next few weeks. So, um, yes, if you've got any views on that, then do let us know at BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, this is um, my last show tomorrow morning, uh, filling in for breakfast. So if you've been tempted to call in and have a chat, then do try and give me a call tomorrow. I'm here from six. It'll be nice to speak to you. I'll let you behind the scenes. We have to do the most ridiculous ritual now, where me and the production team have to read the stars in the newspaper. What a load of old tosh. Stick around, because after nine, it'll be Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Always worth a listen. See you tomorrow at six. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. While Ian and The Breakfast Show go and read their stars, I'll say good morning to you. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith.